0: What's up, everybody? We are back. Uh like eclectic soundtracks. Uh episode what 19? I, I should never I say that because I, I forget <laughs> what it is, but I think it's something like that. Anyway, it's not Skook episode Manhattan. one. Yeah. It's not episode one. Skoke Manhattan, Vic Ramos. Our guest tonight is uh Mark Sean from the Mighty Blackheart Saints, uh out of Austin, Texas, but quickly taking over the world. So we're gonna talk about all kinds of cool stuff with him tonight. But before that, and Mark's gonna plug some stuff tonight too. <laughs> I think tonight this is probably will air. Who knows? I don't know. If <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I want to just bring up some some products, some companies that I use. And like since we've been in this pandemic and we started this podcast, I have failed to advertise really well. Uh, so I apologize to our millions of listeners out there who are not getting this information. But as anyone who knows me probably knows, I have I use Tragon guitars. My signature Tragon guitar, one of them goldie over here sexy very sexy guitar did some photos the other day with with that and uh, and then i got a gold top les paul-esque godin guitar right here which i absolutely love as well so there's those guys and mark i think you guys are on with uh ernie ball as well right or no yes
1: ernie ball you're right and you got it
0: yeah so ernie ball strings i've been using these for years now and uh uh, got got on with them this year at nam and super stoked about that i got one of their um It's funny, I got one of their um, volume pedals when I went on tour with the Invincible Czars and I was playing keys and stuff. And Josh was like, oh, you should really get a volume pedal. Never really used it. I had this whole setup of a synth guitar and my keyboard and a pedal board and this crazy bunch of bullshit. And I'm so used to just, as someone playing keys, just kind of doing volume on that, right? So I didn't end up really using it for that. But what was so cool about Ernie Ball, and I don't know if I had seen it before at this last damn show, I think it's relatively new. They have these pedals now what a genius idea. It's like a volume pedal, but it's got a fucking tuner on it. Those are so badass, right? right. Yeah. I
1: mean, Ian uh, in our band uses one of those, actually. Yeah. Bass player.
0: Cool, man. Yeah. yeah. I, at some point, I might get one of those guys. But anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. So tell us everything that's going on with, with Blackheart Saints, man. I know you guys are constantly busy. You've got all kinds of cool things happening. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me about the band, the formation, when you guys started. Um, where are you from? How did you get involved in that in music? Just kind of take us back.
1: Right on. Well, you know, you get a bunch of drug addicts and degenerates and give them in a room together, and there, there, there's the band right there. You know, uh, um, so I met Josh. You know, it's funny enough, like one of those old school um, posters that they had. So I was, I was actually coming out of a different band at the time. Um, I guess I should say why, why I'm even in Austin. Let me even re rhyme beyond that uh previously so uh, i'm from indiana originally that's where i was uh you know born and raised
0: like guns and roses man it's already yeah. a great rock and roll story
1: you know he, um michael jackson was there i you know you got uh david lee roth i think he spent some time
0: there as well michael jackson's from indiana that's oh wow gary oh, gary Indiana. don't yeah. think that you're right oh, it,
2: Gary, okay oh.
1: so a lot of people it's it's notorious for people um being born there and they get the fuck out of there uh so that's what i did um, so I came to Austin. Um, I had this little band called Foxy dangerous at the time. It was a female fronted rock band we did some cool shit. It was about around for about a year in Austin. Um, and we, you know, we got to open for slash and we did some, you know, played San Antonio, Austin, the, you know, central Texas area. Uh, but I was, so I was, uh, that band broke up and I was looking for to start the next endeavor. And, um, you know, I went to music lab, the good old music lab back when, you know, there were two different one, ones in town um i saw jo- josh had this i was looking for singers so i looked at the 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 old school posting and you know josh's uh flyer was up there and he had uh, like like little frosted tips going on and he you know he just looked like totally different from what you might think you know um but i, I hit him up
0: i resent that frosted tips <laughs> and like hair. i resent that now as someone who's going gray
1: well <laughs> hey we're all trying to excuse I,
0: I love the fact that this is, uh, you guys are a true rock and roll band. Like you're, you're rock and roll. Like, uh, I, you know what I mean? Like that's the way to describe the band and you really are a true rock band. And I love the fact that you formed in that kind of way too, straight up old school at a fucking rehearsal space, saw a flyer. I think we were talking about this recently about, and you know, that's how it used to be. Right. That's how you always found people. There was no online stuff. So it's kind of neat. You found a, it was an actual posting at a, at a, a rehearsal space that brought you two guys together.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, uh, I've done the Craigslist thing, you know, that's hit or miss sometimes, you know, you get a lot of, a lot of interesting folks. You can, a lot of interesting situations you can find yourself in with Craigslist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But We won't go there right now. I think we're trying to steer, keep to music. Um, But uh, so, yeah, we, you know, we just really hit it off after meeting Josh and um, I sent him some tracks and he, you know, sent me some vocals back and uh, we got the band rolling. We had different members at the time. So, you know, as you've noticed throughout the years, we've had different different rotations, but uh, uh, right now it seems like uh, it's a really good spot where we're at. We got, you know, Nate's been in the band for, I think, you know, uh, shit, probably over three years now. And uh, Ian as well, he's, he came along too, and he plays in Finite Fidelity as a guitar player um so yeah that's kind of where you know, how the band started and austin just kind of grew from there and uh you know we end up you know you snowball you kind of play houston you play san antonio you get you increase your your spread your your empire as we call it um so we've been doing a couple tours since then and uh just trying to do bigger and better every year you know so
0: Yeah, it's cool, too, because so Josh Ross, the singer is from Lake Charles, I believe, right? So it's not too far off. And that kind of gives you a nice path to get going with Houston, Beaumont and Lake Charles and getting into Louisiana, which a lot of us have done that route. And um, so and I know Ian is from Wisconsin. So he's somewhat in your neck of the woods. And what about Nate? Where's he from? Is he local?
1: He's from San Antonio, actually. So nobody's okay. really from Austin, but we this is like well, this is what we consider home, though. You know, so I'm sure you do as well at this point. But
0: yeah, I'm San Antonio too, so it's like right down right down yeah. the road. But I think, and I kind of moved around a bit. I was in LA for a little bit, and you, and you sort of go like, eh, if I want to be in a Texas base, like Austin's definitely the place. You know, it makes the most sense.
1: For sure. Even geographically, just, you know, it's just a great place to be. And, you know, I think, uh, I think Victor was talking about, you know, being for the panhandle, like that's quite a drive up there, you know, that's getting up
2: hours. (laughs) If you're making a good time. yeah, Right. Well, people. um,
1: I was going to say, uh, the, the, um, the the crowds are awesome and fucking in the, in the panhandle, you know, we played like Lubbock and, um, you know, Amarillo and, uh, people, they, it's a, it is a different culture up there as far as the music scene. And, uh, we find people are just—they're, you know—they—they they like the rock and roll thing. They like—they go out, they drink. They're beer drinkers. They—they they love a good old rock and roll show.
0: Well, I remember being younger too, and not that far away, but just in a different part of Texas. And when bands would come through from Austin, it was kind of exciting. It's like, oh, you know, an Austin band's coming to town. And so I think. Especially those bands. And I, I've done like Lubbock and Midland and stuff in, in country acts, but uh, I, and I, but I've even heard that there's good rock scenes and stuff and good, there's good bars and clubs up there. And I think, yeah, a lot of times a band comes through from out of town and it's, we're spoiled in Austin and we're sort of like, whatever, everyone's in a band mm-hmm. here. They play all Exactly. The time. Very spoiled. A lot of these other places, it's like, wow, cool. This is like an event, you know?
1: I think there's like this, uh, this attitude in Austin. that's very, uh, it reminds me of LA. It's this sort of, you know, yeah, that's great. You're in a band, you know, even if it, you're, you're, you know, you're doing well on stage, you're, you know, it's a friendly, it's always a friendly competition. We're always looking at our, at our peers and our mates and we're like, yeah, that's cool. But you know, you just kind of like put on this front sometimes it's like the LA mentality, I feel like. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, there's a fine line, I think, in, in music and in the business of music and the presentation of music we were talking about this last week, our guest, Bobby Bookout, um, who was talking about just the, the romanticized, you know, starving artist thing, which is there's something to that. And it's, if you're one of those, truly one of those people making it, that's impressive. But it's also like a lot of people, you know, you have day jobs, you have do this, you do that. but you know, you kind of, you have to sort of have a persona and, you know, when you, you don't know, just walk on stage and you're, you know, pizza clothes and flip-flops and play a fucking show. So there's kind of, you know, you want to put on that, you want to put on that, I don't want to call it a front, but it's an act, it's a show, right? And you need to present it that way, but but you also don't want to come off as just a snobby douchebag. So, so I think there's a, a balance there, you know?
1: Right. I can't think of any other uh, career that's like that. You know, you, if you're an accountant, you're not trying to pretend that you're you know a doctor or something like that so it's it is a weird uh really weird situation that we're in so
0: so when did the band so you and josh what year was that when you guys met
1: that was uh 2014 i believe so yeah it's been uh we've been going since you know six years pretty much so um so yeah met him uh you know he's just been doing, you know, we've been just writing songs, getting better all the time, trying to be at least, you know, writing, kind of branching off into new areas. You know, we got a little more southern rock in the last uh, release, and working on some new material as well in the studio right now. That's going to be kind of like running, running the gamut from southern to like heavier, sort of maybe a little Judas Priest influence, which is kind of weird, but uh, it's just going to be all over the place, really. I think.
0: Cool, and so far you have. What's what? What's your catalog so far?
1: Well, uh, so we started off with a four-song EP, and then uh, just to kind of test the waters and see, you know, we so we went in with Omar Vallejo. at 512 went to studios, uh, that's so he's we've been working with him since day one, pretty much, and he's kind of the the uh, the fifth member of the band. That's what we think of him as because he does have a great uh, you know ear for things, and he uh, influences us, and he always like really challenges us to. You know, I'll be there like he's like he's got a guitar part in his mind and he's trying to show me this. And, um, you know, it can be frustrating at sometimes, but it's like it's worth the effort to just to give into that and to try that. Um, So, you know, we start off with the EP, then we did a a full length album uh, in 2017. Um, and then we kind of just decided to kind of, um, instead of trying to buck the trend, we wanted to kind of go with where mu- music sat and putting out singles. We had it's an EP, the last one, but it's still you know, there's a music video for each for each uh, song. Um, and then with that with the misery EP, everything had a, told a story. So you know, we would it would follow the band across a whole day pretty much, you know, So you're traveling on the road and then you stop the studio and then at some point you get to the the show that you're supposed to play. And so there's kind of some, Um, messages along the way and little adventures that we we find ourselves in
0: i thought that was really cool the way you guys did that and it was an interesting uh like you said you kind of sometimes uh you know thinks outside of the box that's really hard to do i don't even know if that's the right term but just you know it's it's not as easy now as just then then we're gonna make an album and we're gonna tour i mean especially now right but um the the way you guys did that i thought was interesting and and somewhat unique and that was uh was is it Taylor Frederick? Is that who you guys work with who did the videos on that?
1: Taylor Fredericks, Yeah. We call him T Freddie. Uh, you can call him that too, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, funny enough, um, I'm, I've known him since I was uh, 17. Like we were in bands together. He's from in my hometown as well. Uh, so we grew up, kind of grew up together and uh, we, you know, we did music and then he kind of went more into the film world. And um so yeah, he's he's in Austin now and he's uh, you know th- th- doing the filmmaking thing and I'm, I'm really proud of what he's doing, so.
0: I love how much crossover there is here. And I think when you're a musician or any kind of artistic person, I think that's so common. Like I think a lot of, you know, guitar players want to be drummers and, and or want to be a comedian. A comedian wants to be a musician. There's so much crossover between all this. And I know so many people that are in bands that are also in film or that are, you know, all that crossover. And uh, and he's one of them. I mean, the first time I, I met him, I think it uh, was at maybe Skull Mechanics or something. I, I could be wrong, but I think we were you guys were hanging out and I showed up and uh by night was playing that night, I believe, actually. And uh, and then I don't know if that got talked about that night or no, but I obviously like was new about the film stuff. And then we ended up the last show we actually played. And of course, a good rogering has played with Blackheart Saints many times, a few times at Hanover's. But we played with his band, uh, Battle for Los Angeles. Oh, no, Battle for Austin, or what the fuck are they called?
1: Oh yeah, uh, Battle for ATX.
0: Battle for ATX. I was like, yeah. it's Los Angeles. There you thing. go. <laughs> yeah, where it comes from, but Battle for ATX, dude. They were fucking amazing. I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit, his stage, his charisma, stage present, That whole show, and I felt kind of bad because I think we did like kind of an acoustic Allison Chains. We did a couple of these little Allison Chains tribute things. And then RuneScarred, actually, that was RuneScarred that night. And there was, oh, uh, Transit Method. I don't know if you know those guys. Great. Oh, yeah. Great, great musicians. And then and then Battle for ATX. And I was like, man, what a what a great lineup. This was, I think, March 14th. So it was right before the shit hit the fan, the world shut down. And and everyone was kind of like, that night was like, oh, man, fuck it. Come in for it, you know, doing the hugs and something. Uh-huh. I don't know. And nobody was masking yet or anything. But it, we were all kind of sensed, like, things are gonna, about to get a little weird. And, uh, anyway, we played that show and they kind of went on late and I was just like, yeah, sorry. It's, you know, I know it's kind of late and, and they fucking killed it, man. And people stood, you know, I think it, it helps when it's a tribute band, but they fucking owned it and slayed it and he was amazing, man. So props to him on, on the musicianship as well, you know,
1: the guitar player, I'm, I'm a big fan of him too, just because he, he, I really, I paid attention to what he was doing and he really Uh, you could tell he took his time to replicate what Morello and I'm a big Morello fan. I don't know if you, do you like, are you a big fan of him?
0: Yeah. And like, and like a lot of guys, I mean, it's very, there's very subtle nuance playing. There's a tonal aspect. There's, I mean, especially Morello. I mean, he's got such a unique innovative style that that's not something, you know, I I think with you really want to be a tribute band and be true to people, you really have to like, you know if you're gonna play the doors you don't really do it with like a, you know a Fender strat or Les paul you use an sg you know and you really exactly. try, to, try to like do what that guy does and try to emulate that style so yeah i agree man they i was really really impressed with the the whole unit
1: yeah, it was a great show yeah it's fucking awesome
0: it's the last time you guys played where you have have been playing right what's what's going on with that So
1: um, we, I I guess the last big show that we did was uh, the Sturgis rally. And I'm happy to report that no, no one uh, got COVID. We did get tested when we got back. And I know there was probably, there's probably some, you know, backlash or whatever. I don't know if there is real. I think we stayed under the radar, really. There were, there were other uh, bigger bands that were there. Uh, Steel Panther played, you know, Dirty Honey.
0: Yeah. And you guys have played, you guys opened for them here, which was amazing.
1: That was a great show. Yeah, it was a great show indeed. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But I think we, uh, Saliva played, um, you know, Jackal, they're a staple, obviously, of Full Throttle, that's the venue we played. But it was it was a great experience just to go out there and, um, I, yeah, there, I guess there was some risk involved with it, but it, you know, as, you know, as a musician, you just got sometimes you just got to get there, get out there and, and, and do your thing, you know, and you got an opportunity that's in front of you. And what are you going to do, you know, so you got to find a way to make it work. That's at least how I thought of it.
0: And I think with something like that, that's an opportunity. It's a festival. You want to take precautions and be safe. Hopefully, I don't know what you, how, what it was like back there behind the scenes. I mean, I finally recently played a few shows with the Invincible Czars, and that's how it was for us. There was, you know, social the social distancing, some outdoor stuff wearing the mask, you know, doing the best you can. Sturgis, was that kind of an outdoors thing or how does that, are there different stages?
1: So there were two, yeah, two different stages. Um, So the way Sturgis is, is like, there's other, there's different venues that are like in this, you know, small radius. And uh, we were lucky enough to be at the Full Throttle Saloon, which, you know, has the reality TV show and, there's a lot of you know the mythology behind it. It was really uh, it was the first time to play there. We've been to Stardust before, but this is our first time at full throttle. So we got to stay in a cabin there. There's no Wi-Fi. Um, it's it's you're it's like camping, you know. So they put us up in some some cabins, and we actually played uh, nine days straight. Um, so we we did you know some cover shows here and
0: there. Yeah. So it, it, on the way and back, you just played every we, everything you I, could.
1: So, you know, and originally, um, we were going to try to make a tour out of it, but just due to, due to the, all the COVID stuff, uh, we just, you know, drove straight up to South Dakota and, you know, did our nine days and then came right back. So, uh, it was interesting going up there because, at, at, you know, the, the more North you get, uh, the less the mask thing was, a, was, you know, was really, once you like get past Denver, Colorado, you're in Wyoming, um. You'll notice that, you know, people's attitudes changed about the mask thing. I think it's different right now because, you know, you have a surge going on.
0: But- a surge all over the country. But, you know, back then, I mean, we had the initial spikes in the big cities, New mm-hmm. York, and then it kind of, you know, it made its way to Texas and then started getting. But I think that area of the country, South Dakota, may have been the state. I can't remember. It was one of those Dakotas, I think, that w- that was like the longest running state, maybe with very little cases or no deaths or something. There was something like that. So. It seems like it was definitely less of a huge, you know, spiking issue up there, at least at that point.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we, we like I said, mentioned, we, uh, we all, you know, we got tested, everything was fine. Um, but, you know, there weren't a lot of precautions, but I, you know, I think that's the biker. Attitude. Yeah, I was going
0: to say it's biker rally, man. I mean.
1: Yeah. and You know, that's I the
0: thing. I don't know how that's going to go.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it, yeah.
0: The nose test.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they uh, put other things up their nose. Yeah, not, not, not cotton swabs, I guess, but.
0: Oh, I mean you. didn't. Oh, you? did I?
1: Yes, that's I did. did. Yeah. I did. I, I got that. And it wasn't as bad as I thought, I thought it was going to be. Sort of me, like
0: but... mix it in with the cocaine or how does that. I mean,
1: that's, that makes it, uh, that helps numb it, I guess. Yeah. It does. It helps it go, go in there. Um, but you know, it wasn't as bad as I, have you had one of those tests, uh, yet or. I, have not.
0: Did... I'm, not I right. may get tested here soon just because holiday stuff coming up and, and family and whatnot. But um, I think they have better ways of doing that now, or is that still a thing?
1: I think you're right. I think there's a swab that they can put in your mouth at this point. So I think the technology's – uh, rapidly changing right now. So
2: Victor's holding out for the rectal. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, well, so yeah. it yeah. probably
1: appeals to certain people, you know. So oh, that's man. right. That's
2: right. The vaccine, yeah, and, and the suppository vaccine. Yes, too. give me the vaccine. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> the uh the swab test. I don't think they're actually touching your brain anymore. Like they're not. They don't have to go up as far as is what I heard. So it's just uh, a quick swab. It's like 15 minute result time or something like that. But I mean, kind of going back to to that trip to to the Dakotas I would imagine like once you get past Denver like population kind of is spread out a little bit more right so it's not going to be um you know it's not going to be a a pretty populated area like you know central Texas or you know or Padre Island like all the kids went to and got covid so. exactly
1: yeah we were in, we spent the night in um wyoming on the way up and it was just you know the just the four of us uh you know we had a hotel and there was a there was a pool and a hot tub and it was like one of the you know only times you could have a you know a pool and a uh, you know a sauna open and it was kind of kind of eerie because you know you, it's like it was like a town of like two thousand people and we're like we're the only people in this hotel that are right here so it's kind of creepy but it was it was a cool experience
0: that's the worst. You're like a rock band partying at a hotel, and there's yeah. no there. Like there's no chicks. Be, there's no chicks.
1: Exactly. No drugs. No. Uh, no nothing. You know, just just dudes. So yeah, that, that is a low point in our career, I would say. So. <laughs>
0: Oh, modern rock and roll! Four four dudes in a hot tub on their lap, on their on their uh, on their phones. It, you know,
1: that's the thing. People think it's all you know, all these glamorous things, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just four dudes just in in a fucking hot tub. So
0: actually, uh, spe- well, speaking of that, I've I've heard legendary stories and I've never seen it personally, but the, I hear that there's something that the uh, the Blackheart Saints touring van is supposed to be pretty hip. Is it like an old oh. an old school 1970s throwback porno van or some shit? Right? What's oh. the thing with that?
1: I guess the words got around. Um, so <laughs> the first van, so this is a, this was the previous van. So we, right now we have like a, more of a modern Chevy uh, van that's, you know, just you're running the mill. It's great and reliable. But before that we had a, um, a conversion van. It was a 2001, uh, Ford conversion van that had you know, like a, a bed in the back. And yes, we had a VHS player. We had Nintendo 64 ports that were in there too. And, uh, <laughs> We that. Did um, our one of our old drummers, uh, his dad, I guess it was maybe this belonged to his dad, but um, he got a couple of VHS tapes, uh, of the adult variety, and uh, we would just have these running like the whole time that we're <laughs> traveling different towns. So it, it, it was a great way to break in like new members, like they'll just they'll be, oh, what's the oh, shit. you know, they'll see okay, you can
0: like find out each other's dick size and like oh, yeah. hey, Nate's popping one off back there, okay,
1: it's the same scene over and over again, we just rewind well, it.
2: And- Thing, that, was, that was that was like old school porn where everybody was normal size, right?
0: Yeah, and everybody's all the hair was there. Average and dudes, so. average dudes. Were, everyone had a fucking mustache. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that,
1: those were <laughs> men. Were men? I feel like
0: that's right. You know, of the of the Rom the Ron Jeremy variety. <laughs> yes,
1: the Rom Jeremy. That's right. I'm thinking of Rom. Gov Rom, Rom
0: Jeremy. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh. like there's gonna be a mashup of Rom Gov and and Ron Jeremy.
0: I think, how are whoever's whoever listens to this and anyone that's good at Photoshop? I want Rom Gov's head on Ron Jeremy's (laughs) body.
1: that'd be awesome. And he's one of the guys, I think he traveled with us one time where we I think he we may may have uh broke him in on that as
0: well at one point. So maybe that's probably where I heard about it then. Um, was there you uh, go, probably where it came from. I I think I must probably talked about it when AGR toured. Now, you also, I don't remember. So, where did Rom go with you guys? Because I remember he played a TV performance uh, fox thing or something with you guys
1: yeah so we did um i think it was a morning show but we, we also i think we went to west texas with him as well like we played san angelo and um maybe it was another city we did like a weekend thing we did a couple things with him even an austin show but it's, it's been a while since i played with him but fantastic like drummer
0: yeah he's great and he's the guy to call if you're if you're in a bind man he saved my ass same thing we had a what we had a San Angelo gig originally uh, when I kind of re reamped a good Raj ring. And then uh, we had some, some complications. And right off the bat, I had some shows and our drummer couldn't do it. And so I was like, uh, so then I you know, hit up Ram and it was like maybe a week before something. And he was like, yeah, yeah, cool. This is what I do. I got, I gotcha. there
1: you,
3: go. And then I,
0: and then it was something I was like well we're also playing in like two days <laughs> <laughs> yeah right our very first show I think it might have been San Antonio and then we went to San Angelo but we murdered it it was amazing it was so it was just like really fun and fresh too because everything was pretty fresh and Ron came in and killed it so it was great but I think we did the same thing it was initially like a West Texas deal um was that when you guys were in between drummers or was that just someone couldn't couldn't make the gig or something
1: I think we were kind of in between drummers at one point, you know, we had um, uh, our first drummer uh, was Corey and yeah, uh, he was a, he was a, you know, tremendous drummer, but he had to go back to, he was from Oregon. He had to go back there for family reasons. Um, so then we had Brandon and Brandon was fucking awesome. I think we were in a, in a uh, transition between Nate and Brandon or something like that. But um, yeah, Ram is the guy to call. He's like, he, he's more professional than, it, you know, any of people in my band, you know, so he'll, he'll do his homework. You know, he, he gets the shit done. But, uh, yeah, c- cool dude. Awesome guy.
0: Rom is the guy that whenever I'm not what I should be, I'm like, I'm not Rom. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm right.
0: But, yeah, he's great. All right, we'll stop sucking Rom's dick. So. Yeah,
1: right. He's got I'll- enough of that already. <laughs> so fuck that guy. <laughs>
0: Someone put his head on Ron Jeremy's body. That's, that's, yes. that's what I'm trying to get out of this. Tell us about, uh, okay. So 2014, where are some places you've toured? What are some of the, what are some of the favorite places you've been?
1: Uh, so we did a West coast tour that was uh, pretty interesting. So, you know, we went to, uh, we played Arizona, we played, uh, New Mexico, did, uh, the Viper room is kind of like the highlight of the trip. That was, that was great. Uh, they don't pay you very well there, but uh, it was great. It was, <laughs> it was a great, it was a great trip. Uh, But, you know, on the way back, we played um, New Mexico. We played a a place that was on an Indian reservation. I thought that was kind of interesting because you contrast that with the rest of the shows we had where it's like total partying, you know, all the things you can imagine. But then, you know, we pull into, um, you know, a little border town between New Mexico and Arizona and it happens to be on an Indian reservation or Native American reservation. And uh, there's no alcohol, it's a dry uh, uh, community. And so it it was like the one show that was like totally sober and straight. And I think we kind of needed it at that point. So um, it was it was cool. They just so they sold their soda and their popcorn. And uh, they treated us very well. It was just it was a great show to play to that small, small town sort of thing. So
0: that's that's really cool there's that is that something that were you were you guys self booking that or was that through an agent how did that come about
1: oh that was uh yeah i i actually uh, spent a lot of time booking that so i'm involved with a lot of the the management and booking of the band and uh um yeah that was that was Gallup, new mexico not that i remember it uh but it's always great to have you played out uh out west in like arizona and new mexico or
0: i've only done east coast man and uh the I was going to finally get my opportunity for that in April and then COVID happened. So I'm yet to go do the whole big West coast thing. Right on. Yeah. I would love to do. Uh, Tell me about the Viper room. Um, Obviously we all know that LA you, you don't get paid. If you lose money to, you know, fucking buy your tickets up front. I don't know how that worked or if you guys were opening or what the deal was. I've also heard that's, I never actually went there funny enough living out there, but um, I heard it's a really small place. It's a small
1: club and, and it' just great. we had a great time there um, but uh, yeah it's a, it's one of those you know things you bucket list things you, you want to you know check off and do. Uh, it's, um they, they do have a back line there so it's and then they pull this the, the curtain when you're about to play they, they pull the curtain so there's this little presentation behind it and uh, uh, that was a great night and I think we played Vegas after that. Vegas was pretty cool as well. So
0: nice. Where did you play yeah. in Vegas do you remember?
1: Uh, It was, I think it was called the dive bar. It was, it was a Monday night in Vegas, which is, you know, probably the worst night you could play, but we we made the best out of it. And that's the thing with, with these, with these tours, you know, like, you'll, you'll have uh, your lows and your highs because, you know, you have to fill your time up somehow, you know, what are you going to do on a Monday or
0: Tuesday night,
1: you know, so it can be hit or miss. But, you know, you, you make new fans along the way, you make new friends along the way. And that's what's about. So
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think, re- I mean, realistically, especially when you're a, a rock band doing a, a DIY tour, man, you know, you're going to have those those certain points and those landmark things. And like you said, you know, playing the Viper Room of the Whiskey, like that's a cool milestone for anyone, you know. Yeah. Um, and But but a lot of these other points. Man, you know, I mean, you have to accept that and you have to understand that. But I, I will say, too, that sometimes playing some of those shows, I mean, sometimes you're just like, ugh. But sometimes you play a show for a handful of people and that handful of people is fucking awesome, you know, and you make fans for life, you know. So I think that those those little dive bar gigs can be pretty damn cool and rewarding.
1: Oh, yeah, you, you definitely make, you know – you just even if there's two people there as you know, as long as they have a good time whether it's two people or 2000 people. And, you know, we've, we've done that. We've done the 2000 people rooms, the, t- the two people rooms. And um, it's just really just the stories that you get along the way, the life experiences, the the people that you meet, you know, you just have, you'll know, just find random characters. And that's, that's what I hope um, to be able to return to, you know, once this whole, uh, you know, if we can get back to some kind of normalcy where we can have more interaction with people, because I think that's, what we need, you know, as just human beings is just, uh, uh, I think, and, and as as a musician, I just seek out fun, weird experiences, you know, it's part of life, you know, so.
0: Absolutely, man. I, um, it's funny because I I don't know about you. And I think a lot of musicians and kind of back to the crossover between musicians and comedians and entertainers of all types. I think a lot of times for me, I was, and now I'm like getting to that age where I kind of like the just I'm like the Boo Radley, just stuck in my cave and fuck off, you know. A little bit, <laughs> you can do all the Zoom stuff and talk like this, so it's not too bad. But I mean, I was kind of the shy introverted guy, and then I come out of my shell, and I don't know what it, I love that, like you're talking about, meeting people and just experiencing things and talking to different people, and and that's what I love so much about performing and touring is that connection and and because you just you can't get that just with the sort of the day in day out grind in in one place, you know. And I think that's one of the coolest things about that lifestyle. There's a lot of hard, you know, things to go with it, but that's one of the big rewards. Right. And you're right. I mean, right now we can do a lot of things, but that, that human connection that in the moment together, kind of in a sweaty room and and really connecting with people, it's just not the same, you know? So my suspicion, my hope though, is that when we finally get out of the woods with this, hopefully live music will come back in a big booming way. People will be, dying for it and and we'll really have a great surge and and I mean one could hope that we could go back to those the glory days a bit you know where right. the kind of day the kind of things that inspired guys like you and I and I'm sure you know most of our colleagues or just that those those great days of of live rock and roll not that it's dead but you know it's we all aspire to those moments
1: yeah and it just be part of being uh, being a human being you know I think that's that's what it appeals to us on a more of a base level it's just this uh uh, communal aspect of getting together and um it doesn't really always make sense but it just it's loud and it's boisterous and it's uh celebratory and that's i think that's what really draws us to it to the what we you know to what we do and that's why we play loud music as well i think you know i think we're really in touch with that with and there's all the bad things that come with that you know the depression the anxiety the lack of sleep the relationship problems, whatever it is, but it's all worth it at the end. I don't know why that is, but it's a kind of a fucked up mentality to have. But I think that we all have that in some
0: degree. I agree, man. It's that, cause it's the release in the moment. You mm-hmm. can't top that high. And that high is like, it's not something that requires any sort of drugs and alcohol. Granted a lot of times that they go hand in hand, but they are not necessarily synonymous because I know if I'm performing, I've had times where I'm sober, I'm not sober. And I honestly, from a stage standpoint, like I never felt any less if I if I was completely one hundred percent sober. I still felt that same high on stage, you know, and interacting and performing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how how uh, how drugs and alcohol play a role in in this. It's one of the few professions that it's uh, socially acceptable to be under the influence of something, one or the other. But it, that the, I think that's the the best drug. It's as corny as it sounds. The best drug is that you know, being on stage and, have, and, and, and playing to people and feeding off the energy. And that I don't think anything can really beat that.
0: Agreed. Um, I think sometimes the drugs come in when you're not doing that, you know, or to kind of cope with some of the, all the other shit you have to deal with, right? It's, but that part of it is the, I don't want to say the easy part, but it's the part that you want to do. Like, that's what you love doing, right? It's the, a lot of the other things that are the, the fucking downers, you know?
1: I think that's the that's the thing is like, you know, you come off that um, that great high of like, like, you know, doing the rock thing. And then, you know, where, where do you go from there? I think your dopamine levels, you just want to keep that going at all times if you can. So I think that's why a lot of musicians will, you know, indulge in different things like that, just to keep just to keep things like on that same level because it's an addiction.
0: That's a really good point, man. Um, let's talk about, you know, I started the podcast off saying it. Let's talk about some uh, some deals you guys, endorsement deals, artists, like companies you work with. Who are some people that, uh, who are some companies you guys work with?
1: Um, so recently, uh, Gibson um, has been really great. I just got, they hooked, hooked me up with a, uh, a new um, SG Modern um, guitar, so I've, I've been getting into, you know, an SG. Coming from a Les Paul, you know, it's it's a different feel. You know, as a guitar player, it's a lighter weight, and uh, I really dig this um, model that I've been playing. So it's it's kind of like a hybrid SG slash Les Paul because it's um, it's got the input jack on the side, which I prefer, you know, with compared to the regular SG. But um, so yeah, we've been working with with Gibson. Um, Sennheiser is another one. Um, just got a wireless system that I'm. I need to actually use at some point, you know, now, um, Gator cases, that's an, another new one. So, you know, protecting your, your, your babies, your investments. Um, so yeah, we've been, you know, those just been some companies that we've uh, just started working with during this whole uh, pandemic, I would say. So
0: right on. Yeah. And, um, that Gibson that's huge. That's awesome. So I'm trying to remember, man, I, I usually run into you in passing at the NAM show, were, did, were you, I mean, I'm assuming you were obviously with Gibson this year. Did you guys perform? Uh, we
1: did not. So that's kind of like the start of um a uh, relationship with, with Gibson, you know, just meeting uh, the staff there. And that's kind of how that whole started, you know, just getting, it's like, Oh, you're, you're in Austin. Oh, I'm in Austin, you know? So, okay. You know, so you get that conversation going on and.
0: If it's, well, I guess there's going to be no Nam show. In, in and you're right. But I, I hear, but I will tell you from the experience I had, uh, via bully los Buffalo, so i went with and we were you know uh, lucky enough to perform wow that was quite a fucking experience man it was very 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 cool i was blown away by the hospitality and and everything that they were doing uh for the artist and i mean, it, so congrats on that man and hopefully that keeps uh they're they're killing it you know so that was that was really really cool maybe we'll end up doing some some kind of thing because I know bulls got you know things in the works with them so in two
1: years from now we'll we'll do something yeah like, on the stage 20, 2025. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there you
0: go uh
1: they had a great state they did have a great stage I I um uh, so I got to meet it was funny at the Gibson uh uh room um I'm a big fan of the band do you know the band Ra R A I don't know if you know uh, that band. I don't think so. Uh, you should. I'll send you some links later. You should check them out. They're they're really cool. They're, they're kind of in that new metal um, era, but they the singer is amazing. He sounds like Sting, but then they, they do like this um, like Egyptian influenced hard rock metal thing. Uh, so so. Re- yeah, very very cool band to check out. But I was I met the singer there. I was kind of a, a fanboy for a moment, but uh, it was yeah. They had a great presentation there. Great uh, bands that played on that stage.
0: One thing that I thought was so cool, I mean, they had several Austin artists. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here know Jackie Venison and um, Emily uh, Wolfe were a few that performed. uh, But what really I thought was so cool was they had some, they had had like this kid program, I don't know what they call it. It's like the G3. I know that's also the Satriani thing, but Mm -hmm. something along those lines. But man, dude, I was blown away. Like there was a fucking kid up there who's like 11 years old, playing megadeth tornado with souls solo and all and i'm like <laughs> jesus christ so yeah, yeah that's that was pretty cool man and then they uh they had a big a big you know deal at the grove like i'm you know they always have these big things uh-huh. at the grove and were you there you were there the, yeah yeah dude i remember walking around uh, with you at uh when I, I think that was the year that um blacks uh, or zach sabbath played right
1: yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was that was the Grove. That was, yeah, that was a great, uh, that was a great show. Yeah. I remember that now. I think the first show that I saw at Nam was 2017 with, uh, Buck Cherry played. I don't know if you were at that one, but the,
0: that was, uh, that was a great Grove. show.
1: Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. 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 It's, but I, hopefully they bring that back. I Yeah. I know that they, they, they were the, one of the first, uh, events to cancel, um, you know, their 2021 event. So, Hopefully we'll see them uh, in 2022. So <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, that's the best we can hope for. And I think realistically, I I think a lot of these people were very smart to project that far out and do it because look where we're at, and it's absolutely the case that we are in no way near ready for the, any of those things. I don't think there's going to be a South by as it was or anything like that. You know, no ACL, obviously, NAMs right around the corner, so just can't do it right now. So yeah, hopefully 2022, 20, uh, man. We'll we'll see each other up there and. And, you know, meet at some killer after parties and all that cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I guess depends on how next year goes. You know, um, you know, there's a little talk of another shutdown happening and uh, I don't know where things are going to go. It's kind of kind of crazy. So
0: looks like a shutdown is on the horizon for sure. Um, I can only hope that I mean, it seems contention on a vaccine, doesn't it? That doesn't that kind of seem like where we're what we're waiting on? Otherwise, well, it just keeps coming, spiking, and we get we open up, and and then it just fucking goes through the roof again.
1: Yeah, I mean that that that's the thing too. It's it's really a um, it's it's a hard problem. And I'm not, I, you know I'm no expert. You know I'm no medical doctor, or whatever. But I, I I think at some point if you know if you're gonna if you are gonna shut the things down, people need to be taken care of in some way. You know, uh, there's jobs. There's. Uh, I think what people don't talk about is the mental health aspect of, of isolation and, and just shutting things down. And um, there, there's a lot that, you know, people are deemed non-essential. Well, that, you know, if you're working a bar, if you're a musician, you still have people that depend on you. And there's, there's a lot of uh, effects to shutting something down. So I think that that, if, if that does happen, then, you know, there needs to be some kind of safety net for people, you know, whether it's a large check in the mail or something to incentivize that instead of just say, Hey, you can't work and you just don't do shit, you know, just starve. I, 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 that's the only thing I would say about that, but
0: (laughs) yeah, I agree. And it's like so many things I think that, you know, people want to take sides and make things black and white. And it's rarely ever black and white. I mean, these things affect millions of people in all kinds of variety of ways. And you're right. We're not even talking about just the uh the mental aspect of of what it does to a person to be isolated like that you know so there's there's so many factors in this and we don't have to go down the political road but i mean the irony of you know when things become political and you have bickering politicians then things are set in gridlock while literally people are dying in the streets and losing their jobs their livelihoods everything it's not it's not easy you know these are not easy solutions so who knows exactly
1: and if you if you look at the election results you know you can tell that the country is uh clearly divided you know that's that's it wasn't uh necessarily a landslide and that's and that's you know that's just interesting to to see that it's like we're in a very unique uh position right now i would say so
0: feel free to not answer if you're uncomfortable but do you have any sort of uh, identification in the political arena
1: so yeah that's a very good question so um uh, when I was in college, I studied political science. That so was, it was very an, 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 an interest of mine. And, um, and as far as, so I guess different ways to answer that question is the band um, as itself, like we've been uh, fiercely apolitical. And I know that's kind of um, unpopular right now because I know there's a lot of bands that take, you know, stands or different messages or things like that. And that's great. That's for them. Uh, we've decided to, um, you know, work strictly, you know, recreational, that's what we do. So that's what we specialize in, uh, you know, we take it or leave it kind of thing. Um, so, because in, in a way, like we all come from different backgrounds, different beliefs, and it's hard to really have a unified, you know, like, um, I think a good example is a band like system, of, system of a down, you know, where you have, uh, uh, the singer and the drummer have like very, you know, this guy voted for Biden, this guy voted, voted for Trump. And yet they're still in the same band. They make some beautiful music. Um, so we, we've really avoided, uh, wading into those waters because we feel like it's, it, you know, we will give other people that choice to speak. We don't think we're qualified. We don't want you to take advice from us and stuff. Um, I mean, as far as my own thing, I'm a libertarian. So the way that I look at things is I just want, you know, people to do whatever they do, as long as it's not a victimless crime. So I'll say, you know, I am a, uh, very proud that there is a few states that legalized uh, marijuana. I think that's great. You know, whether you, whether you consume or not, uh, we have to. I think it's important to be on the side of liberty and um, allowing people to make their choices, as long as you're not hurting somebody else. But if you want to go do something, whether that's get married to this person or smoke this thing or whatever, that that's kind of that's the summary of my beliefs. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, where I, I'm coming from.
0: Know, I, I feel the same way. I think a lot of people feel that way, and I think a lot of people feel like kind of exactly what you've been saying is look. I think there's a balance between it's like, we will like to blow things out of proportion and, oh, well, this guy voted this way, or this guy votes. So he's, or he said one little thing or, or likes this candidate. So therefore so-and-so is a racist and so-and-so is a communist. And it's like, uh, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like most people just want to get by, live their life. Like you said, live and let live. I think we are, I would hope for the most part as a collective society, you know, socially evolved far, far beyond what we were, you know, 50, 60, even 30 years ago, you know, and, and are kind of like live and let live, have your religion, whatever your race, your sexual preference, your gender, all these things just don't my agreeing with you. It's like, as long as you're not breaking laws, harming anyone else, you know, directly out going out of your way to defend other people. um, So what fuck, shut the fuck up, let that person do what they do. And you do what you do. And just, at the end of the day, it's like, why is it so hard to just be a kind, decent human being? And I think that you know, back to the, the the red and blue and the extremes, it's like there there can be a balance of of cap. I mean, of capitalism and social socialistic ideas too, right? I mean, because you don't want to live in a society where you know it's full blown socialism necessarily, but you certainly don't want to live somewhere either where you're just like, oh well, sorry, pal, you didn't have the you know have what i have fuck you die in the street you know it's like no we gotta you know you like right now in a pandemic especially you know this is it's not just like the regular homeless it's like which is bad and that's bad already right we're talking about millions and millions of people without a jobs you know there needs to be nah, i don't know what they are i'm not a politician <laughs> but there needs to be some kind of balance and you know in that to to help when that is a case, Victor help. What are, what are your thoughts? You're smart.
2: Agreed. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I, I kind of think along the same lines, right? Apolitical. Um, I, I do like the approach that you mentioned, you know, strictly recreational. I think we need more of that because yeah, you're free to voice your own opinions. Um, I get a little bit tired of folks in Hollywood and, uh, in sports, you know, kind of preaching to people or telling people how to think. And that's, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, you have the freedom to say it, you know, uh, more power to you. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are kind of sick of that. And people just want to be left alone, right? So live and let live. Um, You know, as long as you're not uh, imposing on me or trying to force legislation to make me think a certain way, you know, have at it, but once you start you know once you start doing that, then I'm going to push back right so i'm yeah uh, I, I would say I'm you know kind of that libertarian classical liberal not a not a new liberal but more classical liberal where you're open to a whole lot of different ideas you know just kind of trying to understand and learn everything you can so
1: and, and that used to be the, the case with musicians and celebrities. It was like, just stay out of politics and do what you're good at. And I know, you know, there's fair arguments on either side of that. Like people said, well, no, you should use your platform to, well, I'm, I'm more, I'm going to take the Gene Simmons approach. Like I, I value your dollar more than me giving you my opinion. So if you want to buy, tickets to my show, you vote for who the fuck you want to. I'm going to shut up about that. I'll take your money and, and we're good. That's, that's my uh, spiel on that.
0: So, that's a really so. good point though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and I, I, cause I know that, I, and look, I know that I spout off here and there, but I don't think I'm uh, a super politically charged guy. I don't run a super politically charged band or anything. A lot of stuff that I do, you could read into it that way. Maybe I have some metaphorical political, um, you know, lyrics, but I usually do it in kind of an abstract way. And when you're at a show, I'm about having a good time at that show. And if I do something, it's usually some, I mean, I've done a few shocky antic things, but it's usually not, I'm usually not trying to make political statements, you know, and you're right. Cause I know I've seen bands and artists that I really like, and they'll, sometimes they just start spouting off and I'm just uh-huh. like, you know what, fuck you. And it kind of <laughs> puts a bitter taste in my mouth and I don't care to really listen to them anymore. Cause I just, I'm, I'm like, I don't. I, it, to me, it kind of has this, and it makes you. It comes off as very pompous. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes. And that's back to your point, Victor. I think I see that with a lot of the late night talk shows and a lot of stuff like this. And I'm like, man, we all we all know this stuff. We all know Trump. Do I even have to go down that road? That doesn't mean that I need to be. It's. I'm already singing on the news. We're already having to live through this shit day in day out and see yeah. him speak and see the news, and, and it's just a fucking shit show. I want to tune in somewhere and be entertained and get my mind. And then I'll I'll, I'll name names. I mean, you go to Seth Meyers and all it was every time I ever went there was just Trump. I mean, to the point of like, are you now are you running for Democratic office or are you having a talk show? Seth Meyers is great. His comedy special was great. He was great on SNL. He's a talented guy. Great, great entertainer. Love the guy. But at a certain point, and believe me, I'm not a big Trump supporter by any stretch or any of that shit. But at some point, it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, bro. Like make entertain me, make me laugh. Do say so. I'm I'm not tuning into you to hear you rant. Try to yeah. Sh- yeah. tell me how much I shouldn't vote for Trump for the next 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. Whereas on the flip side, like maybe like Jimmy Fallon, of course, the tonight show has to play it a little more safe. So I think he's more tactful in the Trump jokes. And I think they're a little more balanced or whatever so I, I i get that it's okay it's part of the job i don't mind it i don't even mind if you lean one way or another a bit but when it's so blatant we're like i can put money on the fact that when i tuned into that show it's just gonna be like man i mean if you hate trump go watch seth meyers he's gonna <laughs> you know you might go there right? yeah it's, it's our Colbert, you know it's the same, or same thing Kimmel. with fox News. <laughs> Kimmel, yeah. I, I don't know what it is about Kimmel, though. For some reason, he. I just like Jimmy Kimmel. And really? Trump did do some dumb shit that kind of like he kind of started or something. And Kimmel
2: was just like relentless. And I was like, eh, fuck it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, Kimmel lost me a while back. But I mean, it's just uh, he, he's kind of got that preachy tone. I mean, I all do. They all do. The, yeah. they all do. It, SNL is probably one of the worst, you know, when when horrible and em- embarrassing it was in that the, yeah that presidential race in 2016 you yeah, know came out yeah. uh, i can't remember what her Playing name was Brian yeah, it's like basically a bunch of pussies yes. like, for real man. but uh, the only highlight was bill burr's monologue a couple of weeks ago where he just roasted everybody and you just kind of fl- feel like the you know the audience was just like i kind of want to laugh Chappelle but i don't want too, man out i mean chapelle
0: hosted on again list. after <laughs> and god damn it man those guys are the goats for a reason they don't i mean. Yeah. I think right. I feel like the com- comedians are the most honest people in the whole fucking country, man. They really are. Absolutely. They're the only <laughs> ones that can say what a lot of the rest of the people think and get and, and somehow get away with it. Well, someone anyone else would just be crucified and lose their job. And Chappelle and Bill Burke can come out to me like, take that, you know what I mean? we're like, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I <laughs> and I think people try to take them down. They just don't give a shit, right? Because they just they're so big and they're so, so popular, like they're kind of above it. Yeah. And thank God, you know. Well, I think it was like, what, Chris Rock, when he was hosting, supposed to host the uh, the Oscars, and was it Chris Rock? No, no, Kevin uh, Hart. what's the other guy, Kevin?
0: Kevin Hart was like the Kevin nicest, yeah.
2: fucking coolest, likable dude ever, and he
0: had a tweet 10 years yeah. prior, and then they tried, and they fucking canceled his shit, you know? It's kind of yeah. like, you know, the example I think of with that is... Eddie Murphy, like he's this huge, untouchable star, right? <laughs> think of Delirious and think of Raw and the things that he said back then. If and you cannot say those things now, you cannot say them, right? And if someone just can't, but he did because that was a different time, right? And it's like you kind. There was someone talk about this, and you kind of have to put things in perspective like that and go like, you can't crucify someone that did something thirty years ago because it's not relatable to the perceptions and knowledge or however you want to, you know, what is socially the norm now, you know, there's obvious things. Like you, you you don't want to be like a a massive bigot or homophobe or racist, but I think uh, I was just a very, when we were in the eighties, I mean, Mark, you might've taught. I was born
1: in the eighties. Born.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Victor and I were, you know, old enough to, to, you know, I don't know.
2: Where the parachute paint. Ride bikes around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wait, wait, is it too short on your, uh, on your,
0: that's, that's right. Yeah. I had all those old, old school, uh, late eighties rappers on, the, on my book covers.
1: <laughs> that's the thing with today too. Um, you know, with Facebook and social media, giving everybody a platform, everybody, everybody oh, yeah. thinks they are, you know, a celebrity and that they are entitled to, I don't know. There, a lot of times like with Facebook, I have to shut it off because I, I feel like people confuse Facebook for a therapist, um, or a diary. And they, they want to post five times a day about, you know, all the things that have happened, you know, whether they you know, they woke up and they, they fell out of bed or they stubbed their toe or they, you know, they had a bad experience at McDonald's that, that morning. It just seems like, you know, we're, we're feeding the echo chamber of people and, uh, where they just, Get to run their mouths and say all the things, and we're not really, we don't really interact with that that way in person. You know, like if you're so, you, you're not really going to be that hardcore with somebody in person with your opinion. You're, I think we're going to be able to really level with each other and understand where um, and communicate better. If I can talk to somebody in person versus text, text, for example, can be very heated sometimes or misinterpreted. But if I can have a beer with you and I sit down, I feel like you you get more things done and you feel more um, common ground that way
2: absolutely you, man you uh you mentioned the text and i i think to a uh, uh, key and peel yeah 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 where he's like with the two buddies that are texting each other one's taking like the text out of context and he's getting so pissed off like he's gonna kick his ass they're gonna meet at a bar because he thinks he wants to fight and the other guy's like oh yeah yeah i don't care let's just meet for a drink you know real casual and so uh i mean that that perfectly illustrates like the whole social media texting just uh you know the just everything wrong with social media. There's some good things that can do you can do with it, but yeah,
1: it's a great example for sure.
2: Yeah, that's really
0: how you choose to use it. But I mean, yeah, you, the trolls are the worst, you know, because you got these guys that, you know, are they going to really stand up to you in, in in real life? And you know, they're the, anyone can sit in their mom's basement and shit all over anybody and play tough guy, you know, across you know, yeah, the country, you know. Was this great uh, in that kind of what you were saying, Mark. Like, there, there was a Louis CK bit where he was going, he was like, t- I think he was talking about driving and the things you say. And he's just like, and like, someone like, you know, w- like, cut me off a little bit. And he's like, I fucking hope you die or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe do this for like a half a sec Or he was, there was something else too where he was talking about, I don't know if it was that, that same bit or something where he goes, like, you know, the way you talk to people, maybe it was a social media thing, or, but you would never do it in person. He's like, if I, if someone got a little too close to me in an elevator, I wouldn't look at them like, fuck you. <laughs> it's like- you know,
1: Louis CK, he's, he's an interesting guy because I think, you know, his downfall happened. I think if, if I'm right, it's right before the whole, you know, Weinstein thing. And I think, he, you know, look, I think there was a difference between what he did versus some of those other guys. Obviously, you know, that, that it was creepy either way, but, you know, there was one thing that's clearly assault versus one thing that's a guy being a, you know, an asshole. And I, I don't know. I I hope he is able to return at some point. Um, I think uh, before we connected out here, we were just talking about uh, the Jeffrey Tubin thing, you know, that guy got uh, (laughs) fired. So uh, people, you know, we're, we're, if you really think about, we're just, we're fucking animals and people do stupid fucking gross shit. You know, I'm going to go scratch my ass probably after this interview, but uh, you know, so that's the thing is like, we just all do stupid shit and you know, guys are, you know, pretty stupid most of the time. So hopefully he'll be able to return. I don't know. That's my little thing. I agree.
0: And, And with most things, it's like most of us don't, back to social media, right? Once upon a time, you'd read something in the paper, you'd see it on the news and, you discuss it in your little circle of friends and maybe gossip could spread to a degree but now once anything happens and it blows up all over social media and we are all running on assumptions we are all running based on something we've seen on a meme or from some chopped up half bit soundbite report we how many of us know the truth on so many things and i think that's a big problem you know is it, we will just go full full in on something without knowing a single fucking fact about any of it so Who knows with, with any of that stuff, but I think you hear enough information and yes, I mean, let's assume, I mean, there's definitely a big difference between some guy, you know, that's, you know, having women sleep with him for parts or whatever creepy shit this Weinstein guy did, as opposed to Louis CK, just being a fucking weirdo that wants to (laughs) pull his, (laughs) again, it's not justifiable, (laughs) but I mean, it's weird. Wants to pull a tubing. (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there's certain lines you just absolutely don't cross, period. And then, but like you said, you know, I think a lot of times people will do something stupid, say something stupid. God fucking knows I've done some shit that I'm I'm so ashamed of, you know. And if I ever, you know, got into let's politics- let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> if I ever got famous or if I ever got into politics, I it would come out. Nobody gives yeah. a shit when you're not famous, right? Know, but as soon as you're in the limelight, then that, uh, they'll go, you know, get all the dirt under the fingernails. So. And, but, and the reality is, though, that that's like that's being a human being. I don't think anyone really has a perfect track record. I mean, maybe there's a few saints out there, but sometimes the most, you know, you know, you got the, <laughs> that preacher a little while back that filmed a video of him fucking two dominatrix chicks on an altar. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, well,
2: yeah. The that celebrity preacher that just got fired up in New York, um, he has the David Koresh you know, those those glasses that are coming back to Not people wearing oh. the, the, the wireframe.
1: Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. What's that dude's name? Like, he was a celebrity preacher. Like, all the stars in New York went to him. I can't remember that dude's name off the top of my head, but he, he got busted cheating on his wife or something and got fired, but
1: it's always, it's always those those folks, isn't it? It's uh,
0: well, the more you suppress something, I think the more you're almost asking, you know, like you can only bottle something up for so long, so you set up unrealistic expectations too, right? This old fire and brimstone way of living, and you can't do this and you can't do that, and not saying that just because I wasn't allowed to have sex doesn't mean I would have some desire to go touch little boys, but you're certainly not helping the cause when you're like, you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. And then all of a sudden people are surprised when some guy goes fucking batshit crazy and, you know, gets caught soliciting a prostitute. You know?
1: That's the thing about religion. You know, I, I grew up, uh, in kind of, you know, under Catholicism and now I, I, I don't identify under any religion, you know. I would almost uh, be so bold to say I'm an atheist, but that would, you know, alienate some people as well. <laughs> you know, that's that's where we go with this thing. Like people have these labels, and um, you know, I don't know where they go with that thing. But w- there's a lot of tribalism with with uh, how the country is too. You know, you, like, you identify one way, and then like fuck everybody else. And I think if we could be more open about our, um, conversations and just what we just be open to other people's ideas. It's just, it seems like a really basic thing, but I think we're still lacking that in some
0: sort. I know irony is, is that every time we have someone on this podcast, like that's kind of usually what everyone says. And I think that a lot of people, believe that and think that. And and it really, a lot of it just comes down to actually, like you said, the human connection, sitting down and talking to someone as opposed to having some, and I've gone out of my way to sort of mend some things that were based on a few posts and a snarky comment where I fuck you and we're done. And I, (sighs) you're a horrible person. I thought I knew you, but I don't know this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, you know what I mean? And, and, but it's because people are just on 10 right now. We're, We're bottled up. There's been all this, Racial turmoil, civil unrest, rioting. We're in a pandemic. Trump's the president. It's been a nightmare. And people are just losing their shit. I but I think like most people, I think there's a lot of good logical people that think just like we were talking about, that have just kind of gone off the rails. And you you when you sit there in that fucking bubble, like you said, in that little echo chamber on your whatever your social media platform is, you start kind of spiraling out of control. And it, you know, you're not you're not really that person i think i mean some sadly some people are but i think I'll, i would like to hope that most people are not i think most people probably identify a lot with the kind of rational in my mind things that we're saying you know
1: i agree yeah it's <laughs> crazy
0: we haven't really had a political discussion on here in a while so right well,
1: yeah the thing is I, I i do try to avoid it but uh you know uh, props to anybody you know that wants to you know talk about that stuff I mean, i'll talk about it at you know in some length or whatever but um i feel like it's i have a pretty reasonable viewpoint of it i don't think it's too extreme you know uh i don't know but
0: oh we're, we're just once we edit the podcast and it's it'll be awesome it'll be like i mark john love yeah. alex jones like yeah
1: right yeah exactly especially in austin yeah that guy hey this ever wars uh prison planet.tv is alex jones you're gonna buy my vitamin supplements come on guys you got the q and on hillary Clinton is running a reptilian laboratory out of her pizza plates parlor
2: <laughs> what, was the awesome. other, what was the bohemian thing did he talk Bohemian about? grove bohemian yeah. grove you gotta you gotta order my
1: protein powder it's gonna help save you when when biden locks locks the fucking shit down again come on now
2: <laughs> that's awesome
0: <laughs> i mean it's that's entertaining but uh, you know i, I think alex jones is kind of like the jerry springer thing like it's not real it's absurd right it's a shtick it's it's but it's, yeah, and you know, I get it. It's freedom, right? So fine. But the problem is, is that you actually have people that believe this crazy shit, you know, that, and that's the problem.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing is, um, you know, some conspiracy theories, I guess, have turned out to be true, but some some are not, you know, so that's that. But I think he does definitely play to that certain audience that, uh, you know, latches onto anything, you know, so you kind of have to like, Hopefully, whoever is listening to him can have other, you know, sources. You got you to look at all the sources to really make up your mind about what's really going on. I think. I think really the truth is somewhere in the middle. Sometimes, you know, I think the for example, the whole Epstein thing is. I think it's very fascinating. I mean, I'll, I'll go on record saying I don't think the guy killed himself you know i i think that's i very sus, you know suspicious of, of how that all went down i don't know now then again i don't know who's all involved i'm not going to make any assumptions that it was you know this person or that person but i do think it's a very interesting uh situation you
2: know? yeah the uh there's a netflix special on epstein and uh i tried watching it and i, I couldn't get through the first episode because it was really i watched it it was it's really fun, tough man yeah, yeah it's it, it, it was it's really tough to stuff. get through, and so, yeah, and so, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't believe he, he hung himself. There was uh, somebody posted a, uh, a picture of him that had an eye voting. <laughs> <person>. <laughs> yeah. Too long. Ago. I saw that. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, it's brilliant. But yeah, that that yeah, uh, as far as, compar- as conspiracy theories, there's there's got to be some truth to some of those. I think some of the ones that Alex Jones it talked about turned out to be true. I think it was on Rogan podcast not too long ago, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago. And Rogan was like, "Man, all this shit you've been talking about, it was true." What some examples and, of that. Um, uh, what, what were they talking about that turned out to be true? I have to go it's back. To the reptilian. It's it's been like the reptilian
1: ones. Did that turn out to be true? What is, uh, that? What is
2: that about? I don't know if we, they got to that so,
1: one. Well, so to summarize that one, that's um, uh, basically that there are uh reptilian humanoids so um, either you know aliens or extra you know terrestrial beings of some sort that are uh that live amongst us and are in positions of power and um like for example the royal family in in england um have, have been alleged to be these people and that they have a secret agenda to where they're directing humanity uh so yeah that's a lot that's a hard pill to swallow right i mean that's pretty
0: you know there was a um before you were born, and Victor and I were, were kiddos, <laughs> I remember vaguely there was a show on television called V. Do you remember that, Vic? Yes, and I yeah. think that was the thing, right? They were like
2: lizard people. Yeah, or they were they were lizard people wearing yeah. human skin, and yeah. Uh, yeah, there was another show called Project Blue Book that that uh, it was fictional, but it was based on an actual government program called Project Blue Book that investigated UFOs, yeah. like Air Force. Yeah. So yeah, really fascinating stuff. Yeah, he. I don't. I know he's he's gone into the lizard people, on one of the podcasts where Eddie Bravo was on there, and they were talking about flat Earth and cloud or Kim trails or something. But I don't think he went into it. This one, Um, Tim Dillon was the comedian that was on there. I can't. They were talking about Bohemian Grove for sure, and uh, there was some other stuff that I can't remember. It was one of those where they were just kind of going getting all these different subjects and so it was kind of it was kind of hard to keep track of so I'll have to go and listen to it again but it's like 3 and 3 hours change
0: so to come back around to the band <laughs> what I what I gathered from all this is that the success that Blackheart Saints has had is based on the fact that you guys are involved with the lizard people cult that are sort of opening those doors for you is that accurate
1: that's right you know so um and you have to pay the piper as they as they say so you know we 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 like more you got to take turns so we had nate recently he he got he had to go to bed with a reptilian person and they did everything they wanted to him you know so you just to take take one for the team sometimes you know you just got to be part of that evil new world agenda just to get ahead
0: uh it's so like wide shut but with lizards
1: yes and their tongues work very well so you know no you know no qualms oh, it's, about it's that
0: not a bad so it's not all bad actually
1: it's, it's, it's not, you feel bad afterwards, but during it, you feel pretty good. So, you
0: know, are your, are your, are your girlfriends cool with it? Do they understand that that's just part of the business? Or- oh, well,
1: hopefully they don't watch this, this show. So we'll- <laughs> well,
0: you're, look, you're very lucky to know that they definitely will not sit through this podcast. So
1: well, can we edit this? We can edit this out then, right? We'll involve them in this. So.
0: We're just going to send it to Alex Jones. Right. Here we go.
1: Well, Hey, you know Wait. Uh, yeah. I mean, he lives here and Joe Rogan lives here now. And, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's close. We're getting all these California people coming to Texas, you know, cause it, we, it's a great, you know, we don't have any income tax. So I think that's part, part of it, you know? So
0: that's yeah, crazy. Cause California, I love it. I love the weather. I love a lot of things about it, but there, I understand, you know, why, I mean, there's, there's the, the cost of living is insane, you know?
1: Yeah, you know that's that's the thing too about the um the whole you know coronavirus thing. I think there, I have seen a lot of the industry you know move to Austin or Nashville, you know, from New York or L.A. Uh, there's a lot of booking agencies and just people that are, you know, traditional record label A and R people are coming to Austin or Nashville because it's more affordable and it's not fucking, you know, on fire all the time like California as well. So
2: yeah, imagine that, and then the uh, I know. Um, like a lot of those guys were talking about just the, you know, kind of going back to the politics, just the, I guess they've taken the lockdown a little more, they're a little more strict with the lockdown. So they, they can't do as much stuff or they're, basically they're, they're pretty limited on what they can do. So that was another reason. Um, oh, who's there's another comedian that moved to Austin or that's moving to Austin. Oh, what is his name? You said Bill Burr. Was it, was it Bill Burr? Who said no, that? it wasn't. I don't think it was Bill Burr. It was, um, ah, oh, what is the dude's name? Ron White. Oh yeah. 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 He's moving to Austin. He's we'll a Texas guy out. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so yeah. yeah.
1: I wish Joey Diaz would move to Austin,
2: you know, oh. Joey Diaz. <laughs> yeah. <Cock sucker. laughs> from? Uh, he's from Jersey originally. I thought, and I think he yeah. went back to Jersey Yeah, because he was in LA. And so when Rogan took off, you know, Joey Diaz was like, fuck it, I'm going too. And I think, uh, I think a lot of that crew that Rogan hangs out with that doesn't, that lives in California, like Brendan Schwab Shab or whatever his name is, I think, I think he's moving maybe. I don't know. But so, uh,
1: raise the rent across the board around here. I need to <laughs> slow, slow it down, I
0: think. Yeah. Yeah. When did you say you came here? Cause it has just blown up, man
1: about 10 years ago, I, I, uh, moved to San Marcus first. I was there for about a year and then, uh, moved to Austin and just, this is home since then, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's great too. like, uh, the weather here, you know, like I'm mean, coming from growing up with the snow and shoveling the snow. Like I don't, there's none of that around here, you know? So, it's just it's just great to be in a place that's has like really it, but it can get really hot during the summertime as well it can get a little too you know you get your ball sweat happening and all that stuff uh which i don't like so th- right now it's like the perfect time of year i feel like in austin
2: summer's the perfect time to go for a run on town Lake.
1: yeah it depends <laughs> what kind of shorts you're wearing what kind <laughs> of underwear you have you know do what kind of fabric uh you're working with down there I if you're a so. lizard
0: person you don't really have balls so it's it's a little easier
1: so you're you're it's all on the inside then right like it's how it's like with men with our feelings we just keep it all bottled up inside just like reptilian genitals
0: yeah i think we see what's happening all these cold-blooded creatures are moving here and taking over our town it all makes sense
1: could be yeah i think that makes yeah joe rogan he's probably a reptile guy as well
0: definitely definitely reptile friends with alex jones well wait a minute that doesn't check out because alex jones is calling out the reptiles right well, You got to keep your enemies uh, closer,
1: that's what he's doing. It's you know, yeah, part of the, rep, the, the reptilian conspiracy. You got Hillary, Hillary Clinton running a pedophile ring in Austin, Texas. You
0: <laughs> Man, I am so down with the rest of this podcast just being you impersonating Alex Jones. That's
2: fantastic.
0: Got to get your B vitamins, you got B12,
1: B, B5, you got to get, gotta get it all. Protein shake, tv. <laughs> that's great. That's great.
0: Bravo, yeah. sir. Bravo. So oh, we have, I think I mentioned Victor, we have a guest coming up, Rob Dew, who, um, oh, well, maybe he's, it's probably going to be confidentiality shit, man. He's probably going to be like, I can't talk about it. I, I feel like we might be a case where it's like, I can't talk about anything. <laughs> so tell us about what you do, can I think he works with Alex Jones, like in some capacity as a camera operator, show production oh, or something, but. Uh, that's cool. I can't wait to talk to him. We might not be able to air the episode, but it'll be interesting.
1: Maybe he's involved with the supplements that he sells on his website. Could be.
0: Clearly a fucking lizard. That's going to be the first thing I should add when he comes on the podcast. I'm like, yo, are you a lizard person? (laughs) Right on.
2: Maybe we can start uh, getting sponsored by the supplements. You know, just kind of hold it up. before the podcast. (laughs) Prison (laughs) Plain Protein.
0: what's next for Blackheart Saints? I mean, you're in the dark cult of the lizard people uh, doing the eyes wide shut parties. What's uh, what's next? Where so do you go def- from here?
1: Well, that definitely helps. Um, so uh, next week we're going to uh, go to Sweetwater Studios uh, and uh, do work on some new music that's uh, over in Indiana, funny enough, um, where, it's, where it's like 40 degrees, I, I think, right now. So we're going to do that next week. We're doing a master class session with Sweetwater Studios and um, we've actually also been in the studio with Omar, uh, working on some, uh, follow-up. So we're really just kind of, um, you know, stockpiling a bunch of songs and, uh, you know, kind of seeing where we're wanting to go with this, like with, as far as music video, you got to have a, a video for everything these days. So I think what we're going to do is, um, just, you know, get, get the music videos done, um, and then re- release that. And just, we have, we're going to have like at least, you know, two or three releases throughout the year and do that cycle that we know, you know, with radio and, uh, um, you know, Spotify and all that kind of thing. So. Uh,
0: who do you guys distribute through? Is that, um, I mean, it's independent, right? You're not through a label like CD baby or tune core or something.
1: It's independent, but uh, I do recommend TuneCore as a distributor. I think they've, they've always been, um, you know, uh, I've been using them for a few years now. And uh, I mean, we even have people that are local, like Amy, uh, you know, she she works locally uh, with TuneCore. And just great service, you know, I haven't had any complaints. I know there's a lot of competition right now. You have, you know, CD Baby, you have DistroKid, you have um, a couple other ones that are out there right now. But uh, um, so far, I've had a, a great experience with TuneCore, I would say.
0: I know Bull uses them and has uh, raved about them. And I think had them sponsor the live show that we did and everything. What is it about them particularly that you like, or you just had a good experience? And well, I, so I think um, I think if you look at,
1: I was just watching a video. Funny enough, I have a, uh, a new friend, uh, Damian Keys. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a, a YouTube guy. talks about music marketing and stuff. A Really cool guy. Should check him out. But um uh he kind of had a video about the, the the comparison of the different services and TuneCore core is a little more expensive compared to the other ones but um it's just reliable like they're they're getting uh your stuff into every store you know i know people primarily will you know be on spotify or apple music but uh just the ease of use of getting your 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 songs where they need to be i would say
0: interesting that's cool man um and then, oh, and then so in terms of the obviously working with Omar Vallejo here in 512 Studios, which, yeah, we did a, a live thing uh, over there within the 512 Studios Live, which was a great experience, man. Super pro really on top of it. I thought it sounded great, turned out great. So um, I i In fact, I had talked to him about doing something, and then the whole pandemic happened. I just really haven't followed up. But yeah, I I dug that place, man. Um, And I know, obviously, a lot of people here work with him. But you're saying the Sweetwater thing, that's in Indiana, so you guys are traveling up there? Did I hear that right? Is that accurate? So we're flying up there, actually,
1: yeah, uh, next week. And uh, so we're going to do... I guess, two things, basically, we're gonna do a shoot a performance video there. And then the the primary reason that we're going to be there is to do this uh, masterclass session. So basically, uh, we're going to be in the studio working with uh, a producer. And then there are people that uh, have uh, signed up to watch or to p- kind of participate in a way and learn how the recording process works. Um, so, uh, for example, if you're like, um, it probably, it's probably more appealing to somebody who's learning that like if you're a student or something you want to learn how to record a real rock and roll band so we're kind of a a guinea pig in a way so people will be taught how to you know how to how to work with a band how to you know all the intricacies with the recording the band comping mixing mastering so it's like an educational program
0: it's really cool man and now is this uh it's the band all for you guys and then like an engineer or two or something or is it uh, how is that
1: so yeah, we're working with uh, their in-house engineer, uh, Sean Deely, um, and so yeah, he's he's uh, got a pretty good track record, and um, uh, so yeah, people have signed up. I don't know how many people have signed up, but I'm I'm surprised that they have. But
0: uh, what's, so the, uh, what's the what's the cost of that?
1: Uh so it was uh six hundred dollars, I believe, uh, to sign up for this. So um, yeah, I, I'm surprised that anybody would pay to to hang with a bunch of assholes like us, you know, to do that. But um, I are- guess there are people. <laughs> they're lizard people probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is uh now is it a and it's a one day thing or a, over a course of several days or how does that work
1: it's a couple of days so we're just gonna be up there for a couple of days um and then they you know i think we fly out the day that they do the final like mixing and mastering so uh, hopefully they do, they do a good job with all that because we'll fly right back and beat everybody up so and
0: so this is actually a this is going to be a real track like this will be a black heart saints track that you're yes doing. oh wow that's yeah awesome.
1: there's well there's Very two cool. different so we have two songs prepared so we'll see how you know how it goes but we're prepared for two songs at least so
0: wow man how did that how did that come about how did that uh yeah where did that come from
1: so um my my hometown is uh fort wayne indiana and uh growing up there, Sweetwater, um, which I'm, you know, you guys know Sweetwater is, but that's, um, that was like a smaller company at one point, you know? So um, I remember growing up, you know, we had a guitar center and then there were the mom and pop uh, music stores. And then they, those eventually, you know, got shut down because of Guitar Center. And then now Guitar Center is getting challenged by Sweetwater. So it's kind of funny to see, not funny, but it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of this, uh, you know, it's hard to hang on to business, but um, Sweetwater since then has really grown into this massive thing. It's so last year, um, we kind of started when we had a tour and we, we were able to stop, uh, in Fort Wayne and play the show. And, uh, we, we were given a tour of the the campus and it's co- sort of like the, um, the Apple campus. I would, I would, that's how I would compare it to. Cause you have like, you know, food, entertainment options. There's the retail store. There's the, you can you know, tour of the facility where they have this massive warehouse and the studios, so it's like a musician's uh, paradise. So we kind of got the ball rolling by, you know, meeting the people there at Sweetwater, and then um, and just went from there. And we were actually going to do this earlier in the year, and then it got uh, rescheduled due to the whole COVID thing. So now we're just going to fly out there and and do it.
0: Very cool. And and what days are that? Now this this doesn't air and you know, real time, obviously. So I don't know if we're talking uh, about something that just happened.
1: So yeah, that, that would be November. I think it starts on the 19th technically for the students. Uh, I think it's actually sold out right now, but, um, yeah, they start, we start on a Thursday. Uh, that's the first day of tracking.
2: Okay, cool. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've been really impressed with those guys. I ordered a couple pieces of kit you know, I think my audio interface and maybe this mic, Great Make service. They'll cables. call. They'll, yeah, oh yeah.
1: They'll call you up. They, you know, you get assigned a, a personal engineer, and uh, yeah. you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of, yeah, I am very impressed by their customer service. I think it was like hands down, just like because they'll they'll call and check up on you. Hey, how's that whole? How's that you know piece of gear working out for you? It's like, oh, yeah. great. You, you give a shit. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I was really impressed with with that with those guys. Hell yeah. Awesome yeah. man. Yeah, and despite everything going on with COVID, I mean, they're just their their shipping was really quick, fast. If it's in stock, you'll get it like a couple of days, maybe.
1: Uh, it's freaky. It's funny. Like yeah. the 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 owner of the company went to the same high school that I went to, so um, I think I got to meet him, meet him once. But if I get to see him, I'll have to bring that up again. So, uh, but he started he started the company and basically the back of his van, and uh, now he's like. Uh, he's bigger than the mayor in, in that, in that town. Now, you know, he can, he's got a private helicopter. Uh, the guy could do, like, if I was in that position, he, he's a very nice guy, genuine, uh, you know, he'll, he'll actually you can email him and he will respond to you like the CEO of this, of this company. I feel like if I was in that position of power, I probably would do all kinds of crazy weird shit, you know, like just go to all the, all the strip clubs in town. And I don't know, I don't know. I'd probably be dead by now, but. That's why I'm, that's why I'm just a, a guy, a guitar player in a shitty rock and roll band. So
0: I mean, you say that, but where I was going to follow up, what I was about to say uh, in regards to what you just said about sort of being in that position I, to me, it's I. And I get it. I get when people are like really famous, like I don't expect to like be able to fucking email James Hadfield and get a response. That's ridiculous. You know, you got to go <laughs> even when you try to even like management at that level is like, excuse me, how <laughs> you find me? Like I, it always kind of irks me a little and I've become way more self-conscious of this where I try to respond to people and I try to be, I mean, sometimes things slip to the cracks and it happens, but cause it really does suck when someone doesn't get back to you and it, it, it kind of leaves sort of a pompous like vibe. And you're like, yeah, I know you're a little on the higher up, but fuck you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's really cool. Like, and I've, I, it's the, it's, that's the case with bands or, or CEOs and companies, I mean, depending on how big you get. But I think that's, that's amazing. And that's such a, an important thing to me when I the peop- people that I work with, uh, a lot of times, those kind of people, you know, regardless of who they are, or what they do, like, I just think that says a lot about a person's character when you can email somebody and look, I know you're busy. I know you're like kind of, you're famous or whatever. But the fact that someone is cordial enough takes the time enough to say, hey, man, great to hear from you. How you doing? Like, it just means a lot. You know what I mean? I, ha- I have a lot more respect for someone like that. So to hear that that makes me look at a company like that and go, wow, that's really cool. You know, it, it immediately puts it in a positive light for me.
1: You know, and I think people like that, there's a reason why that they are at the top because they do take the time to do stuff like that. And, 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 you know, they're hardworking I, and I want to be, I, I want to, you know, live to that example if I can, if I can even just get even a little close to that, but, you know, and that's people like that have that work ethic where they, they will do those things because they give a shit and they get, they, they care about uh, just how they're seen and, um, and, and they, you know, they, they're Thank, i think they're thankful of where they're at and they get that that's really cool to see somebody who uh who who acknowledges yes i did do a cool thing and uh you know i'm gonna still be down to earth and uh and be a cool dude so
0: i also think that kind of you can know, somewhat draw a line between that and what victor was saying earlier about just uh the celebrities and sometimes how it, and at least to me i think it can come off so smug and arrogant like almost like you're being talked down to like We're just the dumb little peons that don't know any better and they have to spoon feed us their politics because we're too stupid. And no wonder a lot of like, you know, middle class Americans are very against that. And it doesn't surprise me that Trump won in 2016 for that reason, you know, because I think it does come off like that. And I, I think whether it's someone like that or, you know, I just think it's it just says a lot about a person. And when and to take the time to do that and to be humble is like. I know it sticks out in my mind with so many guys i met. I always use Dweezil Zappa as an example. When the first time I saw him here at Stubbs, he jumped off the front of the stage after the show and fucking said, hey, I'm going to hang out. Anybody wants to come talk to me? And this is fucking Frank Zappa's son for fuck's sake. He just played one of the most amazing, mind-blowing things I've ever seen in my life. Jumps off the stage, shakes everybody's hands, signs anything for for a long time, like literally like as long as it took. And I was like, I just like already was like, holding this guy in like high regards, but now I'm just like even bigger fan, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So I think that like as a, someone who's a rock musician, right? Like that's the, the biggest thing, like regardless of how big or small you get, right? Because sometimes you, in your mind, we all know we struggle with this. Like you might be thinking like, oh, this is a terrible show. I suck. Why do I do this? And then someone comes up and they're like, wow, you're all in my favorite band. You're so amazing. That was so great. And they're just, and you're like, it makes your day. And you should never forget that. You should never forget where you come from and what you mean to other people and, and never have that aura of like, Oh, I know kiss my fucking boot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I fucking hate that shit. That's like my biggest pet peeve, man. I can't stand arrogance, you know?
1: I think there's fringe benefits to that too. Cause how else are you going to meet like the hottest chick in the audience? And you're not going to be, get to know her and, you know, she might want to, you might be so charming to her that, you know, you go do off and do your thing. So I think that maybe there, maybe there is, there are some, uh, the hidden, uh, benefits to being, uh, uh, to acknowledging all your fans because, you know, they might really, really dig you in more ways than one. So.
0: Yeah. Human connection, man. It really, really does go a super long way. And I think, especially for, for, I think musicians who are out there kind of grunting it out on the road and stuff. You got to remember that. And because you never know when stuff is going to come back around, just like this dude in Sweetwater. I mean, who's like from your home. It's such a small, it's such a small fucking world, you know, it is. And also kind of, I started saying like, you know, you you kind of played it down, but you know, as just the guitar player, but you do do a lot of business and props, man, because you've uh, I've, I know it's not easy. And I think Blackheart Saints is definitely one of the bands uh, that has, uh, at least from from what I see, you guys have have achieved quite a lot and done quite a lot. You've, you've, I mean, you opened up for Steel Panther. You've done some touring. You played some festivals and big shows. You've got endorsement deals. You know the thing with Gibson. So, and I think a lot of that probably comes from, uh, I mean, you collectively. But I think you do a lot of that business stuff. So a lot of it does come back to uh, you you know, being personable, talking to people, you know, taking the time, um, being approachable, blah, 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 you know, all these kind of things.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, just, it's a lot of, it's just what you, you know, you, you got to put a lot into it and you might not see that immediately, but, um, for one, you know, that's an investment in the future. And also it just gives you a, a purpose to, to, you know, to advance whatever it is you're doing, you know, and, and it's not just about self-benefit, but it's about, you know, enriching your yourself with people that you're, that you're around, you know? So whether, you know, you meet somebody who's, you know, whether they're a prospective business partner or not that, you know, it's always good to expand who, you know, and uh, to be, you know, just be open to whatever thing, things may become. You could meet a great friend, you could meet a great business partner, you could just have a good time having a good conversation. So that's kind of like what I'm about, like, you know, just see where things go and, um, and yeah, so.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. And I I think it's so cool. Like one thing I I say it probably every week, but this podcast is so cool too, because at this point I've been around and played with different people and have had my band and done all these things. And I I just like I've met so many people, you know, in the course of doing that. And especially right now, we're not out seeing each other. We're not seeing each other at gigs, but being able to just catch up and talk kind of in a different way than we normally would too. like a really one-on-one getting to know you conversation, catching up conversation, whatever the case may be. And I think it's like every single person I meet, it's fascinating to me, like how, you know, I wouldn't have known the Sweetwater thing. I wouldn't have known a lot of these things. It's like everyone has like such a network and has value and has, I mean, it's just amazing. Right. And so I, I think the more you kind of realize that and see that and grow that the better, you know, um, Let's bring up Stacy uh, right now because, um, photographer that we have both worked with, um, how did that, oh, we were talking about, uh, when we first started or before we went, went on the air, I said, um, on the air, <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, uh,
2: on the line, right. We were, oh, Cause I was
0: asking <laughs> about the photos and how you guys met. Right. So, um, yeah, tell us about, um. God, I'm losing my train of thought here. Where am I talking? Tell us about that. And what you guys got some photos done recently or something.
1: Yeah. So, um, um, we played, uh, I, I, you know, I think it was the last Austin show we did funny enough was, uh, empire, uh, control room in February. And, uh, it was a great show. And, uh, you know, um, Stacy was there and she, uh, we didn't even, you know, I didn't meet her before that, but she, uh, took some really phenomenal. I was just blown away by the quality of her work. And, um, some really great live shots. And uh, so we just always have, since, since that happened in February, we, we were, you know, we wanted to get uh, some new studio photos done for the, to promote the new record and everything like that. So uh, we thought of her first and called her up and we had a, so a couple of different concepts and uh, we did like a two location shoot and uh, yeah, she's just phenomenal. Like some of the, the best photos we've, we've really done. And I'm very, very impressed by her work guys. So I'd recommend her to anybody.
0: Yeah, she's she's awesome, and uh, Stacy Love it. I should say her last Stacey, name. Yeah, that's fine, uh, and I, 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 um, you know, I I'm trying to think how we initially met. Now, and I honestly can't really remember. But I, we had played a show at Rockbox in San Antonio. I think it was, you know, opening for Marty Freeman or something. And it was one of those kind of cool shows. She was there, took some photos, did a write up on the band, and I was just like, "Wow, this is so good." And I've talked to her, become friends with her. She's come and shot several things, and I actually referenced some of your photos for uh, the band that I just did called No Tin Gods that we're finishing up some recordings. That we just did a bunch of shots, and she did a bunch of product shots and everything. And but I think she's great with that too, the hustle and the networking and very unassuming and very cool but like man at the end of the day like her, the word gets around it's good work you know and uh, i mean you guys have probably did you work with uh kaylee rose is another one with drift did you guys yeah ever, she's, like, she's a great photographer she's
1: great as well yeah there's some really great talents that uh you know we've had the the pleasure to work with uh like rudy arocho is another good name he did our last shoot but yeah there's just really great people to to work with um, and it's it's just great to try different concepts out and to work with people that are that can take your vision and then they they just elevate it and you know do it beyond your your wildest dreams.
0: Faux shiz.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, man, we ran a little. I mean, we can keep going. Obviously,
1: we could talk about reptiles. We could talk about you know reptile women.
0: We can talk there you about go. Oh, reptile, reptile women. Drugs. How do reptiles? Do, um, how does reptile genitalia work?
1: Well, when uh, well, skunk, when two reptiles love each other, um, they this feeling happens where one becomes a little more rigid than the other one, and uh, these you know secretions soon follow, and uh, now you have little baby reptiles will will soon sprout sprout forth out of the wellspring of the reptilian. Uh, orifice and uh that's what gives us uh all of our politicians we have in the world
0: (laughs) bravo wow we were getting some great insight out of this podcast i am uh (laughs) i got some reading to do clearly i am studying yes man well did i know it all kind of really makes sense now this reptilian race of people that are kind of hey do you guys remember that other movie it wasn't reptiles but it was uh classic john carpenter i think it was called what's it called they Them. live they live yes yes with roddy roddy piper and uh keith, keith david. david greatest yeah. fucking fight scene ever it's like they have like a yes. 25 minute fight in the alley yeah
2: <laughs> well keith david was in another of uh another carpenter movie he was in the thing it's one of my favorites man that oh, was a great it's movie. a great one great yeah, yeah. kurt russell it I holds seen- up yeah, I haven't. They came out with another one, like maybe four or five years ago. It's supposed to be like a it's supposed to be like a prequel to the 1982 Kurt Russell one, like the original team that finds it. But I haven't seen it. But uh, man, that yeah, that Kurt, old Kurt Russell Keith David one holds up. That's one of my favorites, man. John
0: Carpenter's. I mean, he's got some classic, classic movies. I mean, even though Escape from New York is a bit goofy it's still cool now escape from la is i don't know what happened there but that's a great movie to just watch I, that could be a documentary right now <laughs> yeah right yeah that is a documentary escape from la to, to austin for instance. that's
2: right yeah
1: i think there was some artistry behind some of those movies where they had they couldn't depend on cg and stuff and you know it there were there was some they had to hire these artists who had to really get things very detailed and uh and just more realistic it just came like the old uh, the old alien movies i mean, if you guys do still you know those hold yes. up fucking you know talking
0: about that with donald and i forget the guy's name famous artist uh, eight something brighter. Yeah. i mean i still look at aliens 1986 to see i mean alien is great but that the sequel mm-hmm. that was one of my all-time favorite movie oh aliens right aliens. and i yeah. mean special effects are fucking mind-blowing and that you're right, no CGI, none of this computer stuff. Now this stuff has started to catch up. Where there's some, there's some pretty amazing stuff going on. But man, when you look at that, that '90s, early 2000s CGI, it is laughable. Like I remember one of those stuff, which I didn't like. The three Star Wars movies, the original three, I loved, like the old '70s, '80s, and then they did the and the newer stuff. I've liked, but those middle ones, late '90s, early 2000s,
2: that shit is.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's
2: bad it is so fucking horrible man it's it's too much yeah yeah the the latest round goes back to the practical effects and does i think a little bit lighter goes a little bit lighter on the cgi but the story shit
0: i mean mean, it's right there it's like they, they were using models in those old movies i'm sure we could look at them and scrutinize things if we wanted to but you're you're looking at a real object and it's that's kind of as simple as that you know it's almost like kind of like if you look at the some of the early digital sound effects and this and that it's just like ooh that does not sound real at all and like if that's the intent cool but you know it's maybe just now getting to that point where you know it could be argued that that some of the stuff in the Kempers and the stuff nowadays sound i well i you know i almost said i would think you guys kind of being the um sort of the more old school traditional rock and roll band would be sort of traditional gear but that's not really true because now that i think about it you, uh, you actually use the Headrush gear? Is that correct? And That stuff is fantastic.
1: Yes, and I this this uh, amp wall behind me is—they're just dummy cabs. So I bring these to all the gigs. I load up in my semi truck and have my crew uh, just stack stack them up. I stack them up, boys. I pay them like you know minimum wage to do that shit.
0: And that's um, like all the, all those marshals behind you. Those real authentic marshals behind you right now are um, the dummy cabs, right?
1: Yeah. They, it's, uh, I bought them the in, in state yes, yeah. <laughs> the state sale. Yes. Yeah, Uh But yeah, head rush. That's yeah. That, that's kind of where, um, you know, with the Kemper and it's in that same, same sort of vein. Uh, but I really, I just really got drawn to that because of the flexibility of it and, you know, it's on the, on the road, uh, it, that's how most people are now too. So you have, you do have your dummy cabs that are, you know, empty. And at, I mean, I, you know, I put a slash and I know slash keeps like a little ISO cab in the back, like behind the stage. There's like oh. this one little 12 inch, you know, and everything else is just a fake. And, and, but it is important to keep that show. So, you know, if you can, if you can, um, you know, bring a whole stack of dummy cabs, that's great. But, um, really you don't need to have that much power behind you to get the sound, but, um, you know, from a musician's perspective or a guitar player's perspective, the Headrush pedal board is like this small, and uh, it does everything you need to do. And it sounds it sounds good enough uh, live now. Look, there is a. I'm not saying I would completely, um, you know, replace all the Marshalls with that. I think actually, we in the studio we use a real Marshall and that. So there's kind of a hybrid sound going on, uh, as far as our last record goes. So,
0: man, I, I will say too. You know, I think. Well, at the end of the day, right? If something sounds good, it sounds good. And a lot of the stuff, like now, I've been doing remote stuff and I've got this little co- combo Black Star. I mean, I've got my Black Star head that I've used live a bunch. I've used Rivera's over the years and uh, all this stuff I love. Um, but I've got this fucking Black Star combo. I've been using it on recordings or I'll just send something out, DI, if you want to reamp it or like some of that, I just go straight into that throw some effects on it if i need i mean it sounds fucking badass man you know and people like what did you use i love that all the time i'll, I'll do a video yeah. what are you what's your tone and you're like you really want to know <laughs> <laughs> but back to the uh, back to the head rush thing um now that i think about it that i remember asking you about that at uh, a show at empire control room where i was playing with bull and uh we played with you guys and um what, at this last NAM, NAM show, Tim Driscoll and I, Tim uh, from RuneScar, we went by and talked to those guys, and Tim's got one of those now and loves it, man, absolutely loves that thing. So at some point, I may in, in, invest in that, too, or talk to those guys and, and see what I can do because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's nice and simple, and the nice thing, too, is that you can really just sort of dial it in per song, right? You get all, all your tones just kind of right there in a foot pedal sort of – Right, like format. a
1: yeah, yeah, format,
0: yeah,
1: and that's the thing with you know thinking about live as far as tone. I mean, you know, you're going to go through. There's a PA, you know, either way that you're gonna that that people are going to experience. So um, sometimes people have said that the head rush sounds better than you know than an amp. You know, I don't know. That's that's I know it's purists and there's people that are always going to like talk shit or whatever, but you know, as long as you're, it's reliable, that's another thing too, is re- reliability is important when you're touring, you know, you, you have two amps that fucking blow and uh, what are you going to do then? And it's a heavy fucking piece of gear that you're, you're dragging along and your band, you know, you just take up space and shit like that. So reliability was actually one of the main, main factors that drove me towards that way for life stuff. So.
0: Totally, man. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's gotten to that point where, you know, I don't know about you, but I remember back in the early 2000s. You know, the I had I had this amp called a Johnson amp, and it was like one of the first like digital. That is one of the to this day the heaviest fucking thing I've ever bought, and it's like just two twelves. It's absurdly unpractical and heavy, and it was a nightmare kind of actually playing it live because every. It, it was just it was early right and it was not super practical yet but it was really, really a cool thing and i've used it a lot just i mean it was my great practice amp and i used a bunch over many years and then the line six pods came out and that was kind of there and we all probably had a line six pod you yep. still have my line six pod and and that's cool and and yeah you got all the traditionalists and for a reason i mean i it's pretty hard to emulate through like some of the great 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 tones but now i think just like with special effects and and so many things have kind of gotten to that level where they sound so good that you're even getting those people that are going like, man, like this does sound really good. And if, honestly, if like someone can't, if one of them can't tell the difference, then, you know, fuck it.
1: Right. It's like, what, what are they doing with their lives? You know, are they, are they getting the, the chicks? Are they, you know, are they going, are they in the green room doing all the, the obscene things no well does that chick care that you know your sounds from the head rush or the amp you know who's who's getting laid tonight does you I, think that you you know what i mean so
0: that's the best fucking advertisement for head rush i think that has probably happened like look play whatever the fuck you want to play i'm in the green room doing all the doing all the debauchery
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just like it just cuts to your head rush pedal board and then you like doing lines of coke with fucking, having an orgy that's, you know, that's, all these young impressionable teenage boys are like, I right. want that fucking amp. There you go.
1: Hey, if, if they're watching, uh, call me up. We'll work a deal out. So
2: it reminds me of, uh, uh, of the one guy that skunk we both know that would come in and it's like, Oh, you're playing. Oh, it's a, it's an Epiphone. I thought it was a Les Paul <laughs> or I thought it was a Gibson. Or it's
1: <laughs> like, what's that guy doing? You know, like, wh- wh- who are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? So,
0: well, I, I do think a lot of times the guys that, that it's the, you know, the trolling mentality, right? The the more shit you talk, the, the less, a lot of times you can back it up. Like this hasn't happened to me a whole lot. And I t- tend to like not really let it bug me or anything, but so uh, I have a friend, Suganya that I've known for years and years. We met in like a music class guitar class or something in San Antonio, like 20 over 20 years ago. And and she lives in LA. She's been out there forever. And we, every now and then, we do these like, uh, I mean, it's been a while, but like cover songs of classic rock songs. We both love all, I say classic rock, talking fucking Guns N' Roses, but anything from Black Sabbath to Pink Floyd, Guns N' Roses, whatever. And we do like these acoustic, we just, whenever I I'd go out to LA, we would hop in her friend's studio and do like an acoustic version of something. And um, there was one of them we did was Goodbye to Romance, right? And the guy that owns the studio is like a world class, another guy, Jeff Lewis, we're going to have on the podcast, world class horn player uh he actually used to play with the jackson five it's hilarious so he's got a picture in the studio with the jackson five and then this like white dude with a fro in the fucking 70s it's hilarious but um we're so we did good by the romance we were kind of trying to do our own arrangement and i was kind of doing some jazzy chords and this and that and then he laid down like a, a horn solo at the end that was just instead of the keyboard, which we were just like, fucking, holy shit, this is badass. And so, you know, you put that out there on YouTube and 90, whatever, 5% of the comments are like, this is great. I love it. So cool. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, thanks. Very flattering. And, you know, one or two are like, too much reverb. Okay, fine. I mean, maybe it is, whatever. But thanks for being a dick. Well, anyway, then there's this one guy who just shit all over it. And he's just like, this sucks. Blah, red, red, <laughs> disgrace. And of course, I go to his YouTube page and it's like this fat nobody like like playing crappy versions of randy solos who loves kiss and i'm like yeah checks out so like usually the people that are shitting on other people are like don't have a fucking leg to stand on you know i'm that is one thing that has fascinated me and what i love so much about what i have done and all the people i've met i feel like i know some of the best fucking musicians and guitar players in the world like and you know i mean so so many great musicians and the, and they're all like the nicest, most humble people. You know what I mean? And I think that really kind of says a lot. I went off on a tangent and forgot what the hell we were even talking about. What, where, did that, where did that come from?
1: Reptilians and music. We're yeah, the, about the,
0: the, a, the yeah. fucking reptilian douchebags always trying to prove shit. That's right. <laughs> reptilian well, trolls. I think, I think I you just, just wanted troll. to talk about Kiss again. I, I was going to bring up Kiss. No, maybe it was Vic. Was it was? Uh, did you say a band? Where? Where? Ah, now nah, I'm really upset. <laughs> I did
2: not say a band.
0: Some yeah. band get mentioned shit.
2: Head rush. Where were we? Let's go. Let's rewind. Yeah, we? yeah. Head rush, green room, making out with the chicks versus the trolls, not doing anything. I brought up a guy that we knew or that no, you that's know, it. Oh, you're playing an Epiphone. I thought it was a Gibson, oh, right? I know. what That's Yeah. yeah.
0: And what I was going to say, it's that kind of mentality where you're, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're insulting someone else. Why? Like, I've gone into stores and like picked up a Mexican Strat and just been like, fuck, if I had the money, I'd buy this right now because I love the way this guitar plays. You know, I have a a Les Paul, it's called a Les Paul Special, right? And it's, you know, it's not the fancy Les Paul custom, but dude, it plays great. I, I, I bought it on a whim years and years ago when I was amp shopping and I picked this guitar up just to like try out some amps and I was just like, what is this Les Paul? This looks different played it and it just you know how it is a personal connection yeah. with the guitar and i ended up buying that fucking guitar and since then it has fallen over and had the headstock broken it's been run over by a tour van <laughs> it has been put back together twice and that fucker does not leave the house <laughs> so, but yeah i mean it's like i think with instruments it's very personal and i think it's you're almost like as a musician i don't think a real musician would do it that disservice to themselves because i think you brand and all that's great and tried and true and so you kind of you know you expect to pick up a certain thing and it's probably good but I, it, it's so individual right there's so many different guitars i played you can play a boutique guitar and NAM, Nam show that's four thousand dollars and be like "Ah, oh, i hate the way this thing feels personal you can pick up another guitar that's three hundred dollars and be like god damn this feels good you know so but what you were saying vic like that whole notion of like oh it's not a, you know it's not a real gibson <laughs> yeah it's not a real Les Paul. yeah <laughs> clearly a reptile Clearly. so reptile of him <laughs> this joke has gotten beaten we gotta we gotta get off this reptile thing by the end of this podcast you're like dude come on man you didn't come up with anything come up with anything else
1: it's like beating a dead lizard as they say that's as right the <laughs> saying goes
0: so we'll start it up that'll be our new one <laughs> cutting up the snake so
2: yeah, I, I I just got an idea. I think maybe I should just quit my day job and just uh, just customize some old you know nineteen late seventies early eighties vans for touring, you know. Start collecting them VCRs. Start collecting the VCRs. <laughs> Get some uh, some shag carpeting in there.
1: I know a guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey Nintendo man, I in
1: there.
0: I could supply the tapes. I've actually uh, got. I'm one of those hoarder weirdos that just can't throw shit. It's not. Look, I don't even have a VCR. I couldn't look for multi I'm sorry to ruin your podcast with this information, but I couldn't jerk off to that if I wanted to. All right, for, for starters, gross. Like anything, you know what I mean? Like it's outdated and,
2: and it's just no good. Are you? Wait,
1: what's the cutoff point? What 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 year is the acceptable? You know. <laughs>
2: You're talking about the German tapes you got. Right? <laughs> no, those are good. Those are those were ahead of their time. <laughs> those are vintage. I'm talking about. I mean, if I'm
0: watching a if I'm watching a video and I'm like, and it's I'm just going vaginal one on one. Really? Like, <laughs> ooh. I'm like no flame. So it's oh, but also so there's that aspect and like who the fuck has a VHS player? Where can I play that anyway? Right? There's no reason for me to have this, and yet I have these. There's I have old VHS porno tapes. Somewhere there's a market. Some motherfucker somewhere will
2: probably buy this Ooh. shit. I, I could put I could put old VHS players and A-Track players in those vans. customized well, right? I
1: can give you the, the number of the guy that bought our van. Maybe he, he's in the market <laughs> for that. So
2: there Make we go. Shit, hit him up, man.
0: Man, if he wants some new tapes.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: If he's if he's into that lame vag sex.
1: He's got to be, you know, I mean, he looks like the type, so I have to t- that's a whole other story. This guy, he, he was quite the character. The guy that, yeah, the guy that bought our van from us, he just was, he said he lived down the street from Pearl Jam. He was telling us all this kind of shit. It was like, really, you're going to, you're going to pay us that amount for this van. Okay. So we really lucked out on that deal. When we got rid of that piece of shit. Finally, but <laughs>
0: I mean, did he really live down the street? From Pearl Jam? He's,
1: he's told us a whole. Like, he's one of those kind of guys that just tells you the whole his whole life story. And he was like, "Yeah, Stone Gosser. He, him and he, he was living with his parents. Pearl Jam would come down and practice, and practice in the parents' basement. Blah blah blah. You know, he just get ran us over with the story and whatever, dude. You so know, you, you get sold your
0: kids? band to Alex Jones.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I'm kind of yeah. I need to like qu- kind of refine my uh, impressions a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, I get into that. That groove too easily, there,
0: That's a good groove, man. Don't lose it. I, if everybody or if you do anybody and it sounds like that, I like it. Cool. <laughs> it's like, right, me, have you ever done that where you try to like impersonate somebody and you're like, what? He's not Indian. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Then you get called a racist if you try even attempt to do that accent anymore.
0: <laughs> so. Well, wait. What what kind of person would call you a racist, Alex Jones? I'm real curious. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Alex. A globalist. Jones. It's the globalist. It's the
1: globalist. The Hillary Clinton. B- b- Jeffrey Epstein, Weinstein people, folks globalists.
2: Bravo. I you know, I think that was one of the conspiracy theories he called out, was the Weinstein one. Now that I remember uh, that was one of them that he got right. And I was like, holy
0: shit. If,
1: if Steen is the at the end, it be Bruce Spring Springsteen will be the next guy in that. In anyone that
0: anyone with that last name now, right? <laughs> so that, well they're gonna they're gonna make that correlation between the lizard people, right? Have they not done that already? I would assume that they're one and the same
1: there's some kind of message in, uh, born to run. I think there's a message in there, you know,
0: born to lay eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so last thing, most important thing. Well, uh, you know, this has been great, good podcast as always, Mark, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank if you, you have anyone, anything you want to plug, uh, feel free to do so. But, um, I think we should talk about at first. Okay. So, what tends to make podcasts really great? I mean, yes, it's. I'm really glad we've talked about products. We've talked about bands. We've discussed a lot of things. But I like to really try to do something at the end of every podcast where we can just be like, go to the last 10 minutes because it's gold. So, do you have any great, like, band, like, you know, shit stories? Uh, like, you know, who in the band clogs toilets the most? Uh, I just, I want a good, like, bowel movement. Disaster, bathroom disaster uh, kind of story, or it can be a porn jackoff story. But you got to give me one of those.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so our first bass player, um, who I think he's sober now for good reason, uh, <laughs> and those who know him, they know him. Uh, but you know, he's a he's a he's a he's a sweetheart. But uh, back in the days, we were all you know partying very hard. We had a show in. Um, uh, just East of Houston, actually it was, it was, you know, uh, somewhere outside of Houston, uh, where the water was. And, you know, we were, we were playing a show. Um, and, uh, at the end of the night he got so wasted that he passed out in the car, which is good because, you know, you you can have to babysit or whatever. And, uh, it came to the time where we had to go. Um, we were staying at this promoter's boat. The promoter put us up at his uh, houseboat, uh, which is, you know, very kind of him uh, trusting, uh, a ragtag group of assholes like us to, to, you know, stay on his houseboat after the show. So we, we ended up driving to his houseboat and, um, uh, the bass player, uh, he's, he's sleeping. We got to wake him up to get him to the, to the, to the boat. So we get him in there and he's already had enough. And, uh, you know he he wakes up which is a bad idea. We should have just carried his fucking ass in there, but he was like he got up. He's like, "Where's the where's the fucking alcohol? Where's the booze?" And he was like, "Dude, you're just fucking go sleep or whatever." And he's like, "Nah, no, I'm looking for booze and there's nothing to drink in this whole place." And uh so, you know, we just let him go and we're just all do you know, off on our phones and doing whatever. And uh uh Next thing we know, we hear uh, the engine start up and it's, this is a docked houseboat and we look at each other. What the fuck? And then uh, apparently he's up there in the, in the, where the captain's thing was. And he started up the fucking houseboat and we go up there and he says, I'm going to take this fucker to Jamaica. And uh, we look at each other as a whole. And then, you know, it's funny at first. And we shit got real when he started to put his, like his foot, towards like the gas and he was about to like crank this fu- like man like we would have been like he would have fucking ripped this from it would would have been you know just like the, the whatever the anchor would have been ripped off and we would have been sued the band would have folded as a you know whatever so um that was yeah that was a pretty scary story you know just basically the the, the moral is don't don't let your bass players uh just keep them knocked out uh, if they're too fucking drunk, just uh, you know, keep them in the car. What's don't a- don't don't be a good guy and don't get you know. He, uh, he needs to lay down. No, just leave him in the fucking car and you, the rest of you guys just go and you know lay down and do your thing. So,
0: wow, man. So yeah, was that why he's not the current bass player? Uh, well. His girlfriend also did he did he get the Dave Mustaine treatment? Did you guy did he wake up to a bus ticket or a boat ticket? The next uh,
1: well he held him yeah. on down the river? Yeah, he was he was quite the character. Uh, I mean, I think he's yeah. He I think he just it was just uh you know all that all those influences to combine. I think uh, I think he needed to just work on his priorities and shit and get his get his fucking life together, so to speak. So I mean, he's doing great now. He's, uh, yeah, he's a cool dude, but you know, that's just one example of the kind of things you find yourself in a rock and roll band, I I would say. So
0: war stories, right? Yeah. There you go. Very close, but actually one last thing I was going to ask, and I I didn't think to ask it earlier, like who are some of your favorite guitar players? What are some of your biggest influences?
1: Oh man. I, I love, uh, Justin Bieber. I love Justin Timberlake, uh, too. Those are my two. I mean, those uh, are
0: the kind of the the obvious ones that everyone says on the, on the show. Like what about like, maybe like, um,
1: some of the more obscure ones. Okay. Uh, um, like Tony C- Iommi is, is a big influence. Tony Iommi, Black Sabbath.
0: Yeah. CNC, uh, he played with C N C. Music. Oh no, Black Sabbath. I got gotcha. you. I got. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he played in uh, One Direction. Tony Iommi. He <laughs> left One Direction to form Black Sabbath with, with Ozzy. And Biggest he was.
0: Pick he ever made? Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> you know he's just tremendous, and I think he's like everybody knows who Ozzy is, but nobody knows. You know, Tony Iommi is not a household name as it should be. Uh, when he when he dies, I think that's going to be a a big uh, deal. It should be so as celebrated as Eddie Van Halen. You know, I mean, they're they're both to me those guys are uh, very important.
0: Well, that's a good point because as an in, from an innovative standpoint, what he did in his riffs, I mean, that just set the tone for heavy metal. I mean, that really, you know, you had Zeppelin and you had some bands doing some heavy things, but there's no one did it quite like he did it. And especially what's really interesting too is with with the missing digits, you know.
1: He tuned down. So any, anybody who tunes down, like we tuned down, I do drop C normally. Anybody who does that, uh, has him to think because he did that because of uh, the tension. It will, for two reasons, because his, uh, you know, his fingertips were missing. So he had to get those, uh, uh, thimble. It looks like a thimble almost, uh, but, but, uh, so to make it easier to bend the notes and to play he had to tune down the ten, you know the, the guitarist to decrease the tension but also I think they wanted to create that darker sound but it, or maybe that was a byproduct of it but I think anybody yeah so anybody who who down tunes you have uh, Tony Iommi to thank for that
0: Yeah it's funny you say that cuz played with a couple of bands now that that do that tuning or tune down and i never really did it I've done standard or a half step down drop d but the the whole drop c so you're basically a whole step down drop d or you're down the whole guitar down
1: so um yeah it's it's basically i, w- I guess you would say it's uh drop d down um whole down step. a whole step yeah okay. so C G C F A D. yeah
0: that's interesting to think about that and then relieving the tension a bit and i would assume i guess maybe he used pretty thin gauge strings do you know
1: yeah you know some of those guys that's, It's it's really interesting you know if you're one of those people who really geeks out on gear and um And that sort of thing. I think in the early days, there weren't a lot of options, you know, it's like now, you know, I use this custom Ernie ball gauge. It's like, you know, perfect. But I think back in that day, you had to get really creative, you know, you had to use bando strings or whatever the fuck you could find or piano wire. I don't know. You just had to be very, it was hard to fucking, you know, just to fucking even get your, your tone really. So.
0: Yeah, I wish I could remember who it, who it was that I, I. mean, we all know probably like Zach Wild apparently uses like ridiculous thick strings, you know. SRV used really thick strings, but I remember one time I went to a Guitar Center or something. And I was like, "Oh, cool, Zach Wild custom." I'll try these, and the guy was like, "Uh, you know, you have to like reset up your whole guitar, right?" And it was like a hundred gauge string. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, never mind. But yeah, I you know, speaking of like Ernie Ball, now I've got several different types of strings to, to, and I love the hybrid, you know, just subtle little things, a 48 through 10 or, you know, whatever. Um, but I, so I can't remember who it was and I wish I could. There was someone I was reading about recently that used a really thin high gauge string. I would have thought maybe it was Billy Gibbons, but maybe it was someone else too, that, that I would have, sometimes you think guys might be have real thick in there in your surprise surprised to find out what gauge they use. Yeah. Billy,
1: Billy Gibbons is, uh, he's known, yeah. Like very light strings. And, uh, it, I think he, he was, I think it's an interview I saw with him. Uh, um, Bibi King was the one who turned him on to really light gauge strings because there's less effort. That's, that's cool. I mean, I think it, de- it does depend on what your tuning is. And I, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, the, yeah a little more uh, heavier heavier gauge. you're gonna go down if you're gonna go past D I would say try to try something and see what works I mean, even with like picks I don't know what kind of uh, what what uh, what thickness of picks are you using right now
0: It varies you know a little mean. but I tend to use either ones or eight eights
1: So yeah, yeah I use a one millimeter I feel I feel like I've gotten um, uh, you know thicker as I've gone along sure. you know yeah, my, sure. my hair has gotten grayer and my picks have gotten uh, thicker uh for some reason i don't know why i know some people play those like thin picks so you could like
0: play your I chords mean, I, delicately. I think it's good when you're beginning and i remember using those those red dunlop 0.5s f- right yeah and now it's just like click 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 no way man like i a one is usually my comfort zone i've got the like some custom ernie balls that are ones i've got you know some customs that through dragon that are what and um yeah, so that's pretty much what I use. I know who I was thinking of, man. I was watching this master class on Hendrix, and apparently Hendrix used really thin low-gauge strings, which I thought was really interesting. Okay. Like a, Something like a fucking, <laughs> instead of the 46 or whatever, it was like a a 40 or a 38. It was like crazy thin. Wow. Yeah, and it's all personal preference. There's no, really no right and wrong in that whole whole thing it's kind of interesting i don't tend to like i think sometimes those are just the kind of rabbit holes you go down and you don't really intend to and next thing you know you're like why oh, i'm oh i just found out this for some reason but it's kind of kind of fascinating what are, you're in your you said you used a custom what's your gauge
1: uh it's um it's in the red package it's the uh the heavy or heavy bottom skinny top it's kind of a hybrid I th- that's it right there yeah there you go yeah
0: i got a lot to try yeah that's the one that's that is a fucking heavy bottom that's hard man even that's uh interesting that's an interesting uh, but i mean you could just like you do it for like just the fucking meat on the bottom
1: so yeah so like you you know you you, the main riffs i get a little uh it's a little heavier but like on the top it's it's um i still keep them a little light so it's easier to bend and easier to do leads because you're playing on those you know top three strings more often for that so
0: remember going up to sometimes like in studio situations, I'll do, I've done like the 5211 or something. And, you know, and you get the heavier butt, but I, man, just that jump from 10 to 11 is a big difference on the top end. So I totally get the hybrid. 62 seems pretty, pretty big to me, but I kind of like, um, like a, a 48 or something or a 52 maybe on the bottom. That's pretty, uh,
1: so you a size to, queen on the bottom. It sounds like. What's that? You're a size queen, as they say. <laughs>
3: Stop.
0: <laughs> uh, cool, man. R- give us, uh, run us through everything one more time. So obviously, Blackheart Saints is the band. I'm assuming blackheartsaints.com.
1: Uh, blackheartsaintsmusic.com.
0: Blackheart Saints. Somebody music. else
1: owns that other domain. So. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. So <laughs> yes. blackheartsaintsmusic.com. You guys are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Anything else? I mean, YouTube, obviously. What's where? Where? Where's the best place for people to find you?
1: There's also BlackHeartSaints.tv. That's our uh, subscription-based service where you can you know pay a three dollars a month, and we have our you know our selection, our curated videos and uh, behind-the-scenes sort of thing going on there. Uh, but yeah, find us on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever else, whatever streaming platform that doesn't really pay musicians that well, whatever you want to use, you can, you can find us on there.
0: You guys are doing pretty well with all that, man. Your your Spotify and all that. So.
1: We, we try still doesn't, you know, they still don't pay as, as much as I think they should, you know, Spotify, especially, oh, but God, uh, no. I
0: actually relooked yeah. that up last night and it's like somewhere between 0.003 <laughs> something yeah. 0.004 something
1: it's it's ridiculous yeah <laughs>
0: it is um, cool man and i mean anything else you want to specifically throw a shout out to or plug or anything like vhs tapes
1: uh BH, yeah the vhs tapes you know um uh you know if you if anybody has some old school porn uh you know First, send it to Skunk so he can review it and he can uh, QA it, quality control it, and then he can send it to us if he deems it worthy. Uh, But also, we're playing uh, in Houston. The next show is in Houston, Texas, on December eighteenth, and that's going to be at Rockefeller's. And we're playing with uh, Vallejo, which our producer Omar Vallejo is in that band as well. So,
0: right on, man. That's that's really cool. Um, Yeah, you guys play up there a lot. You play Prooftop. Is that how's that place doing?
1: you know we um we actually haven't play- played there we played uh i think you might be thinking of oh, the uh, warehouse yeah, yeah warehouse uh, well. that's the place that's a great place uh we, have, we haven't been back there in a while but uh they they're back to doing shows and uh i think you know we're actually playing with uh ace uh fraley in may next year if that still goes oh, okay. according to plan. so
0: another thing you guys were doing i think it was a place called einstein's and katie or something you guys set a residency right
1: we did. We did that for a while, uh, and then that's just they uh, shut down for a while. We just, you know, that the uh, whole situation changed. So obviously, none
0: of these things are.
1: <laughs> yeah, everything's I'm
0: going. All up in, yeah, from fucking.
1: That's right. But hope, hopefully, we'll get some Austin shows uh, soon. You know, hoping to see how that goes. Um, I, uh Josh's band is, or his Led Zeppelin band is playing uh, this Saturday. But this is probably would be out after that, I would think. But
0: uh, who yeah. are they playing Empire?
1: Yeah, Empire on
0: Saturday. Yeah, what I think a Tom Petty tribute band is uh, Dancing Days and Damn the Torpedoes. What's uh who all is in that band?
1: Uh Jelly uh Ellington is great in the, guitarist with that oh,
0: sure blue Les Paul. I actually hit up jelly, jelly about the uh, podcast as well, man. Yeah, I I love that guy. He's a great guitar player. Great singer too. Great, great the whole package.
1: He's a nice, he's a really nice dude. Yeah, he uh he actually played on uh on our most recent release that it's not out just yet, but he played some slide guitar on there. So he sweet added some you know some jelly some jelly some yelly as uh, omar likes to say um but yeah that that bands uh they're doing their thing with the tom petty so check it out uh well i guess
0: so december 18th is you guys in houston at
1: at uh, Rockefellers.
0: And this yes. show is, is, is coming up real soon, right? Is it this weekend or something? The one here at Empire?
1: The Zeppelin one. Yeah, that's just, and that's just Josh's uh, Zeppelin side project. So yeah. one,
0: so that yeah. one just happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was a great show from the, from oh, the yeah, past. That,
0: that was a really great show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one of these days we'll do this live. We'll see. Um, but, uh, well... Hell yeah, man. Um, all cool. And um, clearly I, what I'm doing right now is procrastinating, going and doing other shit that I have to do. So I'm like, what else can we talk about? But we've like all of our podcasts go like two hours. And I think people are like, yeah, if it was like four seconds, I would probably listen to your podcast. But <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I really don't care what you have to say that much. But Mark Sean, who's like, you know, a famous guitar player with a famous Shaggin' van. And I think people are going to tune in, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I,
1: God bless them if they do, you know, I can't, I can't imagine why they would, but Hey, if you, if you're around for it, that's, that's great. So.
0: Well, you know what? I'm always entertained and uh, this has definitely been fun and great talking with you, learning a little bit. And I think you should, uh, I think you should sign us out with some Alex Jones. Well, you got all the info warriors. We got a TV. We got Skunk. We got Victor. We're we we're, we're, we're the real
1: warriors right here. We're we we're, we're up against up, up against uh, Hillary Clinton and the globalists and the globalist agenda. And uh, we're gonna sign off today. We got the we got the podcast. We got everybody's everybody's good. You, you, buy, buy my supplements. Prisonplan.tv. Alex Jones signing off.
2: That should be every podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We'll just sample that and that'll be our sign off on every podcast. Mark Sean from Blackheart Saints, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, I'm Skunk Manhattan with Victor Ramos. See ya.
1: Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it.